Why are the mirrors covered like that? I told you I don't live alone. I have a small son. He's very sick. I cover the mirrors for his sake. He doesn't want to see his reflection. I worry about him very much. He's changed my life completely. Sometimes I think he's driving me crazy. I'm sorry. <laughs> These are things that can happen in a woman's life. But don't worry. You won't see him. Oh, I don't mind if... No. It's better if you don't. He stays in his room with his crazy thoughts. Would you like something? A cup of tea? Welcome, listeners, to another edition, an episode, if you will, Nicole. Okay, yes. Of A Cure for the Common Craig. I am the Common Craig. Your name is Nicole. Nicole. Yes. (laughs) Hello, Nicole. Hey, listeners. When, let's say, let's say you're cleaning up the dishes at home. If you have maybe like a significant other family members, things like that who live with you, you're cleaning up dishes at home. Is one person, like, their dishes, are they, like, a lot gooier than yours? Is that, <laughs> are is you, that something that are happens? Are you hinting that my dishes are, like, <laughs> I like more sauce. You do, you do. And that's what I was going to say, is that's the catch, is you're a saucier kind of gal yeah. than I am. I'm yeah. not a very saucy gal. You're not. No. I, oh, I tend I like, to be very bland. I like the ketchup and the sauce. Sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's what happened today. I, yeah, there was, like, I was putting yours away. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'm afraid to touch anything because it's. So gooey. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Um, I didn't get to the dishes. I was folding your underwear. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we did put the sheets on the bed together. That's right. yeah. And did, did some, that. Did so, some cleanup. You know, we both did a little something. Let's not make it a competition, Nicole. I wasn't. But oh, I felt, boy. I kind of felt like you You were, felt you were being personally attacked? I did. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry that happened. <laughs> Well, speaking of cleaning up, Nicole, this is a good segue. We got to do a little clean it up from our last episode. Okay. Do you remember what we talked about? It was Friday the 13th. Okay. So we talked about Jason Goes to Hell and Jason X, part 9 and 10 of the (laughs) Friday the 13th franchise kind oh, of man. even even though we said they couldn't use it's, the name friday the 13th ending. never ending nicole and you know word is out there of course we talked about the crystal lake television yeah. series but also now there was big news announced yesterday as of this recording about sean cunningham trying to get a reboot started for a Friday the 13th movie as well, Nicole. Oh my goodness. So it may really never end, Nicole. Wouldn't that be great? We're going to be like 
90. And 90. They'll still, still be, be making out. Jason Voorhees movies. Yeah. Well, something again that, and we do this all too often, unfortunately. We forget to talk about the music and the film composer. You're right. So yeah. the one thing that I specifically was upset about when I was editing was, oh shit, we forgot to talk about Harry Manfredini. So Harry Manfredini worked on the score on parts one through seven well technically one through six i believe and i think some of his music was integrated into part seven from earlier scores that he had created for the franchise then part eight though jason takes manhattan maybe another reason why it's my least favorite fred mollen or molen who did the soundtrack, the music for the Friday the 13th, the series, television series back in the day. Uh, he did the music for part eight. And it just, Nicole, it just doesn't feel just. the same. It's just not the same. Okay. There's something missing. And do you know what's missing? Harry Manfredini. Yes, Harry Manfredini's <laughs> score is missing. But New Line, New Line Cinema, they brought back Harry for Part 9, Jason Goes to Hell, and the 10th movie, okay. Jason X. So Harry Manfredini returns, and it just feels so much better. feels like Nicole. home. Yes, it does. It feels like home. Like you're back home on Crystal Lake, Nicole. Oh. Yes. Uh-oh. Also, we talked about this scene kind of happening, but we didn't really kind of explain the details behind it. I feel like it's kind of a key element in Jason X. Okay. So do you remember, Nicole, in Jason X, when... Jason is dead, right? He's dead on the autopsy table. Right. And there's that one woman in there working on him. And she had sent away those two sex-crazed, starved students. students other students. To go have yeah. sex in some other room because they kept feeling each other up and they couldn't focus on their work. Right. So she's like, just get out of here until you guys can focus. So ran them out of the room. They go off to have sex. So they have sex. And this is when Jason... Springs to life. So that it's kind of like the way it's cut and edited, it very much feels like Jason is reacting to these teenagers having sex. You're right. Like he would, you know, because he, you know, they were making love when that poor boy drowned, according to his mother in the first movie, Nicole. So, yes. He hates sex. He hates sex, Nicole, specifically. Premarital sex <laughs> and unprotected yes. sex, Nicole. Right. Yeah. right. Yikes. Those are bad news for Jason. So, yes, he springs to life while hearing the sex act going on, sensing it, Nicole, in another room. Isn't that great? Um, yeah. Can you believe that we forgot to mention that? <laughs> I cannot believe it, Nicole. Unbelievable. Well, Nicole, what are we here to do today? On this episode. Um, we're talking about Jollos. With Jollos! We're still in January, and over the last several years, Jollos have become a thing in January. It's called Jollo January. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, it, it inevitably, it, I'm going to try to do some kind of bullshit fake Italian yes, stereotypical yes. accent. We know that. But... It, what were you going to say? It, it makes I, sense? I want, Jello January? It makes me want Jello. Jello. You want Jello no. instead of Jallos. Because it just makes me think have have, it sounds like Jello. You'd have to have some sort of like yellow Jello though. Because it'd have to be like yellow. Because um, that's what Jello means in Italian. Yellow. But I 
would rather have red. I mean, I would too. I'd much prefer the red. Like, because yellow, I would assume, would probably be like some sort of a lemon yeah. flavor. I, I'm not really big on lemon flavor, Nicole. Okay, I, I know that, but... <sighs> the listeners may not have known that, though, so I had to tell them. <laughs> anyway, Nicole, so Giallo January, it kind of, it, it sounds pretty good. Giallo July would also work. Giallo June. Those would work I like too. January. You want to go with January? Yeah. All right. So it's become such a thing, Nicole, that even at the Music Box Theater in Chicago this month of January, they're having Giallo January. Giallo January, believe it or not, Nicole. And do you want to hear what movies they're showing? Yeah. Even if you don't, I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> All the colors of the dark, and some of these, I'm sorry listeners, by the time this episode is out, there's probably going to be like one of these left. All the colors of the dark, no one heard the scream, Nicole. So sweet, so perverse. Uh Uh-huh, yeah, you like the sound of that one, huh? Lucio Fulci's A Lizard in a Woman's Skin. Oh, no. (laughs) That's another one. Uh, Is that all of them? That's probably close to all of them. I think there might be one more, but anyway, so... Yeah, that's pretty cool, though, that the Music Box is doing their yeah. own yeah. Jello January. We're not going to go and see them because uh, we'd have to go to the city. It's just too much trouble. You know, we'll just when watch we were home. really young, going to the city was exciting. Doing the like movie marathons at the Music oh, Box sure. was yeah. really exciting. 24-hour movie marathon, yeah. horror movie marathons, things um, like that. But now I just want to stay in my house. I know. We just want to stay at home and record podcasts. <laughs> That's right. That's what we want to do now. Well, Giallo January, like we said, the Giallo means yellow. yellow. And that was because, and I've told this story like a thousand times on the podcast now, Nicole, 1,000 times. There were these pulp novels, little thriller mysteries, Nicole, that were published in Italy. And... They were called giallos because they had these yellow covers. The background color was yellow. And then they had kind of this like circular artwork in the middle Uh with like some sort of image about, you know, what the story was about or something like that. I just watched two documentaries like over the past week here on giallos. And they were both like an hour and a half each or something. So... Whoa, I'm loaded up on Jello knowledge, got, Nicole. You've got all the knowledge. That's right, all the knowledge you could possibly need. So yeah, these, these novels, they became popular. And then it transferred over into film, Nicole. And apparently, Germany kind of started this trend first. Now, of course, they weren't called giallos there. But the type of movies... Uh, One person, uh, an Italian fellow that I didn't get his name on one of the documentaries, uh, some sort of a giallo aficionado expert, he was talking about how Germany, yes, had developed kind of this style first. And he called them, in his Italian accent, he called them creamies. K-R-I-M-I-S. Okay. I guess that's what the the Germans referred to. used to refer to this type of movie that they were creating. Okay. So these came out kind of in the 60s, I think, primarily, is kind of what he was talking about. And then, I guess it filtered down to Italy. And Italy said, hey, we can make movies like this, too. We've got all these pulp novels, the giallos, and the the the, the people, the the mad audience who's going to enjoy these, they're going to call them giallos because they're going to be reminded of these books. Oh, wow, Nicole. So what is a giallo, Nicole? 
kind of a mystery. We kind of talked about this. Kind of a mystery, right? It's always a mystery. A mystery horror. thriller. Yeah. There's usually some sort of a uh, a villain, uh, a male villain, but not always. Not always. A male villain sort of clad in black, right? He's got to be like clad in black, wearing like gloves. You got to have these black gloves on, some sort of a black hat, a black coat. You're all covered up in black and you're out and about. And usually what you want to do is you want to kill women. That's what you usually want to do. And usually in these Italian movies, these women are very attractive. And Dario Argento has said, he said, there's a quote, Dario Argento said that, hey, you know, like, I like looking at beautiful women. I I want to see beautiful women on screen. So he talked about how these beautiful women on screen, that he would sometimes, when he would talk about that, you know, he said, you know, he didn't really care what, you know, like people thought of about him or what they'd read into that. Uh, beautiful women being killed on the screen is just what he'd like to see. Uh, as far as visually what he wants to see on the screen. And he said he's had like some interviewers like walk out on him when he said something about that. But this is just what he wants to do. So, you know, criticize him if you will. This is just Dario's preference. So we'll get back to Dario. But yeah, usually in the Giallos, a heightened sexuality, certainly Nicole seems to be an element. Violence, of course, heightened violence as well. And elaborate set pieces, they mentioned, which sometimes is the case. Yeah, there are some yeah. kind of elaborate sets, uh, definitely, definitely, I think. So, yeah, sort of a, a unique style to them, I guess. There's a number of suspects, Nicole, and then there's someone doing an investigation. A number of killings uh, as well. A number of suspects, a number of killings. But someone doing an investigation that isn't always a police officer. Right, there's always usually, like... Yeah. That- that outside investigator that knows more than almost than the police do. Right. And it's usually someone who was involved in like seeing a killing happen or right. something. That's how they get drawn into it. A lot of times it's like a writer, something like that, yeah. you know, something that comes up a lot. But yeah, the uh, it's, it's an element of sort of like cracking the case or getting involved in the case yeah. as this like uh, bystander. But Someone who, you know, like we said, you know, did see what happened. So they ultimately become involved and usually become it's, some it's, sort of a it's, target it's for basi- the killer. Basically, it's just because they're they're nosy. They're nosy. They can't yeah. keep their nose out of it, Nicole. That's right. And you know, like, I don't know. I feel like messing around with murderers, you just turn turn away. Yeah, you, mean, just, like, you just, just stay out of it, away. Nicole. Stay, stay out, out of it. But yeah, they're often somewhat unrealistic. You know, a little over the top sometimes. Certainly one of the movies we're going to talk about today (laughs) is a little excessive. I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, well, we'll get to that, Nicole. But, yes, like I said, often very, very stylish movies, Nicole. Especially in the hands of someone like Dario. Well, (laughs) Hitchcock, Alfred Hitchcock, definitely uh, considered an influence on the giallos. Because of his style as well. Sure, yeah. So certainly, uh, yeah, considered to, uh, you know, be an influence. Certainly, uh, Dario Argento would, I think, acknowledge that too. If you went up to him and asked him today, Nicole, at age 82, if you said, Hey, Dario, would you think Hitchcock is an influence? I would say, yeah. Uh, One of the earliest movies that people consider a giallo coming out of Italy, Nicole, is Mario Bava's. 
the girl who knew too much, also sometimes called Evil Eye, I believe this is an alternate title in 1963. Uh, so Mario Baba, definitely also an influence on Dario Argento. Uh, Dario was kind of a disciple of Mario Bava, if not sort of a protege, Nicole. He also directed a movie, Mario Bava, called Blood and Black Lace in 1964. With It does have kind of a, uh, a killer clad in black that a lot of people say that's kind of like the, uh, the I guess like, I hate to say prototype because that probably would have been the girl who knew too much, but kind of the, almost like the beginning of the standard. Like you see that movie and you're like, okay, this is what we want to try to match. Blood and Black Lace, how, what's going on here, how this looks. This is what we want to do when we're recreating and doing our own Jalo movie, Nicole. Doing our own yes. stuff. Yes. Okay. Women in Peril, certainly, like I said. And maybe a little misogynistic. Although, I guess, you know, like, sometimes the women, they do come out on top. So, it's kind of like, eventually Mario Bava makes the movie A Bay of Blood, or Twitch of the Death Nerve, as it's sometimes yeah. called, which is an amazing title. That one, not really much of a jalo, but is the one that kind of started sort of the, the slasher genre. Is that one gets a lot of credit for that. So slashers eventually, too, went in that direction where uh, a lot of times the women would be, you know, chased after as a victim. But then also, you know, certainly uh, sometimes coming out on top in one-upping the killer who was pursuing them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. More so, like a, a final girl. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The final girl element, Nicole. You're right. So, yeah, the misogynistic element is there. Uh, one of the women on the documentaries that was uh, talking about Jallo's, another aficionado expert, said, hey, you know, like, I know it's going to be there. I just accept it, yeah. you know, for what it is and just watch it and enjoy it. Right. So she's acknowledging that it's there, but she's saying, you know, hey, for this kind of a movie, I'm just going to let it slide. Right. So... Yes, just so you know, listeners, going in, that uh, potentially something that could upset you, I suppose. We are today focusing on one director, Nicole. So is this Jallo January Dungeon of Directors? The Dungeon of Directors for and, Dario Argento. And huh? an actor autopsy. <laughs> also kind of an actor autopsy. Yeah. For Daria Nicolodi, because she's in all three movies. I know. Weird, Nicole. Well, let's start off talking a little bit about Dario. He was born, Nicole, September 7th of 1940, in Rome, Italy, of course. His father was a film producer, Salvatore Argento, Nicole. You'll see his name listed as a producer on a good amount of Dario Argento movies. Also, Dario's brother... Claudio, Claudio Argento, also a producer listed on some of these movies. Chaka's going crazy in the background, getting into mischief. Dario himself, Nicole, came from kind of a close-knit family. His parents would tell him folk tales. They would, you know, folk tales around the house. His aunt was said to have told Frightening stories, Nicole. Frightening bedtime stories for Dario. So she got into his head and messed him all up, Nicole. (laughs) Well, so he he tells this. There's a documentary from the 80s, Nicole, called Dario Argento's World of Horror that I think came out in 1985. And it was done by Michelle Soavi, who was a protege of Dario at the time, uh, an assistant director, things like that. So anyway, in this documentary... 
Dario talks about when he was like six years old, they lived in this big house and they would have dinner. And then his bedroom was on the opposite end of the house down this long, dark hallway, Nicole, <laughs> lined with doors. Oh, and yeah. he said that, you know, his nightmares were probably born going down that hallway because these doors, like if one of them was just open just a little bit, Nicole, oh, something man. might just jump yeah. out and grab you. <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. Scary stuff, Nicole. He, uh, there is some, certainly some childhood trauma that creeps into a lot of Dario's movies. And it's something that he said that in, in his life, he didn't really feel like his childhood was yeah, very traumatic. Yeah, yeah. But definitely, there is, yeah, there, there are a lot of elements of childhood trauma that do make their way into his movies. Maybe it's from those terrifying stories that his aunt told him. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that was his trauma. I'm not sure. He was in school, a teenager, in school, working as a film critic for some magazines and then also a uh, columnist for a newspaper called Paisa Jara. I don't know if that's pronounced correctly at all. You'll just have to look it up, listeners, and check for yourself. Well, so he, you know, got started, you know, very early on, you know, as a teenager doing some, like, film work. Eventually started doing some work as a screenwriter. Like I said, uh, certainly a uh, often, like, kind of listed as a disciple or protege of Mario Bava. But then worked on uh, some screenplays and eventually ended up teaming up with Sergio Leone and Bernardo Bertolucci as they were writing a screenplay for Nicole, one of my favorite movies of all time. I believe my third favorite movie of all third time. Third favorite of all time. Once Upon a Time in the West, which came out in 1968, yeah. Nicole. And Dario is often credited, I've read this, as kind of developing the, the backstory yeah. And I guess kind of the, uh, yeah, like the uh, the history behind Charles Bronson's character in that movie. Yeah. And I don't want to spoil what happens, but if you watch it, it does feel like something that Dario's twisted mind might just come up with, Nicole. <laughs> I, I, I um, you know, I've seen that movie because of you. Right. I've never seen it before. And I have to say, it's so interesting i love just that there's this one scene at the train station just in the beginning oh yeah the, the opening like, scene is it's, fantastic it's, you brought too too many it, it'll blow your mind it I will think. blow your mind I just, I just like like it's so strong it's yeah. a strong opening scene it's a, and just a, a gorgeous film to look at overall so yeah sergio leone uh, famous Italian spaghetti western director yeah. called spaghetti westerns because they're from Italy, of course. Yes. So, but yes, Clint Eastwood was in a lot of them. He's not in Once Upon a Time in the West, but but you got Charles Bronson. Uh, sure, yeah. Uh, Eastwood was in Leone's uh, Fistful of Dollars yeah. and uh, for a few dollars more, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, Nicole, which is also just phenomenal. But anyway, Nicole. So this is kind of where Argento sort of gets. Uh, I guess a little bit more of a break. This is his most well-known uh, as far as being a uh, collaborator or uh, teaming up on a script, uh, writing a screenplay with some other individuals. So after this, Nicole, and the other screenplays that he was kind of working on around the same time frame, uh, comedies, crime films, uh, a lot of war movies, and uh, some other westerns as well. 
So, yeah, it wasn't something where he was doing, other than maybe the crime seeping a little bit, not really doing, like, anything that would be considered maybe a giallo or anything like that. Or, uh, gosh, far, a far stretch from horror, Nicole. Right. So, Dario, Nicole, in 1970, then, makes a movie that we talked about in our top 10 horror films of the 1970s episodes. There are two of them, listeners, and they're very long, but we cover a lot of wonderful 70s movies. And this is one of them, Nicole. The Bird with the Crystal Plumage, Nicole. His first directorial effort, which he also wrote. This one is a true... Giallo. Given credit, I guess, for really sort of like launching... Just a mess of other giallos. Like, certainly, Bava, Mario Bava, had done some prior to this. But the success of this one, and we talk about that in our top 10 horror films of the 1970s. But, yeah, like, the first couple theaters, it wasn't really doing that well. And suddenly, like, in Naples and then, like, Florence, I think, all of a sudden, like, there were, like, lines stretched around the theater. And it really, like, caught on. And before that, the producer was kind of thinking, man, maybe we should just pull this from the theater and just forget it. But they let it ride a little bit longer. And, man, it hit, Nicole. It was huge. (laughs) And, yeah, I think we talked about, like, it ended up playing in, like, one theater in Rome or somewhere for, like, just, like, years. It just was playing in the theater for years, Nicole. But also... A big hit, according to Dario, in the United States at the time as well. We were not alive then, so I can't verify that for sure. But, yes, uh, a big hit in the States here too, Nicole. So the bird with the crystal plumage, kind of his kickoff as a director, certainly, but also his run with some jallos here. The Cat O'Nine Tales, Nicole, that was in 1971. Another giallo. And then finishing off what is considered to be his animal trilogy nicole okay titles with animals that have little or nothing to do with the plot of the movie at all four flies on gray velvet that's also listed as 1971 is that accurate i don't know anyway nicole we'll we'll just let that slide the year could be incorrect on that one anyway so those three in the animal trilogy all pretty solid jallos yeah yeah so after that nicole he takes a little break does a period comedy, Nicole. What? Called The Five Days in 1973. I haven't seen that. Uh, Severin just released that recently. And I don't know. Maybe I'll watch it eventually, Nicole. Yeah. But the first movie that we're going to talk about today, Nicole, is a movie from 1975. And this, out of the three that we're going to cover today, is the one that critics tend to think is far and away the best. This one is one that they say is sometimes, and they, critics, certain critics say nearly a perfect giallo. Like this is the standard, the new standard, I guess, beyond the bird with the crystal plumage or beyond Bava's blood and black lace as the new standard for the giallo, Nicole. So what is this movie called? Deep Red. Yes, Nicole. And in Italian, what is Deep Red? Do you remember? 
Profondo Rosso. Okay. Which is a, a great title, Nicole. We got to change. Right. Got to turn the page here in the notes, Nicole. You have to. Well, yes, Profondo Rosso. A great title that just sounds great. And in one of the documentaries I was watching, man, those Italians, they. The, it just rolls off of I their tongue. I think maybe you're going to need to learn so Italian easily. for Man, real. I don't think I could speak Italian because they're so fast with it. Like, he's like, profondo rosso. And it's like, what? How, what did you just say? And he's saying profondo rosso, but I have to say it much well, lower than he does. You're, you're, um, My tongue has not been trained in Italian. Your dialect is very... Cadence is very small. Just terrible. I'm terrible. Just a terrible speaker. So Deep Red from 1975, Nicole, is what we're going to cover. But we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back. And that's when we're going to talk about Profondo Rosso. Red Nicole, this is the one out of these movies that you were kind of like, ah, I don't know. I feel like I've seen that so often. Maybe we'll save that one for last. Maybe I'm not that interested in seeing that one. But Nicole, I hope you enjoyed it when we watched it. Again, Deep Red, Profondo Rosso, 1975. It was released in Italy March 7th of 1975 in the u.s june 11th of 1976 it's rated r nicole and the full version runs two hours and seven minutes nicole it is a horror mystery according to imdb nicole i do like a horror mystery you do like a little horror mystery i do this is also known as Dripping Deep Red, I guess, was kind of a uh, an original title that maybe they wanted to use in the U.S. Dripping Deep I don't Red, like that. You don't like that one. No. How about the Deep Red Hatchet Murders? No, no. That I think that is the one that I first saw it when I saw it on VHS. Was I think the the copy I saw was called uh, the Deep Red Hatchet Murders. I, I wouldn't have picked it up. You wouldn't have picked it up nah, with that title. You'd be like, murders. forget I'd this like, hatchet murders stuff. Ah, no, I don't, I'm not interested in that. My name's Nicole. I don't watch hatchet murder movies. <laughs> also, there's another title. Just the hatchet murders. Just eliminate nah, deep red altogether. That's right. Hatchet nope, murders. Nope. Not, not picking nope, it up. Not going to watch that one. All right. So this one is directed by Dario Argento, Nicole. Is this his Dungeon of Directors episode? Yeah. Yes, it is. I'm just trying to have some fun with you. And it's written by Dario and Bernardino Zapponi, Nicole. A Zapponi. Oh, my gosh. All right. Did you know, Nicole? We were talking about alternate titles. In Japan, Dario's movie, which we haven't talked about yet today, is called... Suspiria, that movie called Suspiria. Yeah, you heard sure. of that one? All right. So Dario's movie Suspiria was released before Deep Red was in Japan. So when Deep Red, after the success of Suspiria, they were like, oh, let's release Deep Red in Japan too. What should we call it? Suspiria 2? Yeah. Oh, Suspiria no. 2. Even though it has absolutely nothing to do with Suspiria. Oh, no. Ridiculous, Nicole. Also... 
a, an original kind of title that was tossed around for the movie. Because of the Animal Trilogy, yeah. and we didn't mention that after the Animal Trilogy, other Italian like movies were coming out, Giallo's left and right, Nicole, with animals in the title. Like we mentioned earlier, the uh, the Fulci one being shown at the music box, Lizard in a Woman's yeah. Skin. There's Don't Torture a Duckling, also from Lucio Fulci. There are so many of these other animal movies that were out there, Nicole. Black Belly of the Tarantula. That's another one that I always <laughs> like. So the original title concept for Deep Red was The Saber-Toothed Tiger. What? I don't know how they were going to work that into the movie, Nicole. Like, There's no tiger even in the movie. Yeah. Of course, in the other movies, like we said, the animals don't tie into the plot right, either. Right. Uh, or if they do, it's like, you know, like very, that and it's over. Minor. Like the bird in the bird with the crystal plumage. Anyway, so... Deep Red Nickel. Oh, what is this movie all about? Do you remember? I do. So it starts like we're at this parapsychology conference kind Something of thing. Like a conference, a seminar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have Helga, and she's you know, she's talking about how she sees things, she can feel things, and all of a sudden Helga. Helga's played by somebody. Ma- Maka? Macha? Maris? Maris? I have no idea. She's there, and all of a sudden, like, she feels a murderer, or she gets impressions. Yeah. You know, I'm like, if you feel those things, don't you think you should keep it to yourself? Yeah, maybe you shouldn't you say anything. You just shouldn't say anything. You shouldn't say, I know who the murderer is. But they're in this big, ornate theater. Yeah, and there's some, like... There's, some, there's a murderer in the room. Yeah. She's sensing that someone in the room is a murderer. And then what does the murderer do, Nicole? Kills her. No, no. Well, yes. But, but before that, the murderer kind of stands up right in the middle yeah. of everything and walks out. And I'm thinking, why are you, why are you doing that? Why are you standing Shouldn't up? Shouldn't you just sit down yeah. and, you know, maybe not disclose the fact that you might be the murderer <laughs> she's talking about? Right. Maybe you want to just sit, sit tight. Right. And, you know, keep that to yourself. But Helga, loose lips sink chips. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, they do. Because, of course, if the murderer now knows that Helga knows that there's a murderer. Yeah. Well, I'd say Helga's probably going to be a potential victim, Nicole. Right. as, As you said, Nicole, you just blurted it out. Well... Yeah, Helga is going to be in big trouble. Big trouble. Because Helga goes back to her little apartment, wherever it is, somewhere yeah. in Italy. And you know what? Somebody gets into the apartment with a cleaver, a meat cleaver, and whacks her with it, Nicole. <laughs> and right. not just once, multiple times. Multiple times. Is that the hatchet they're talking no, about, you think? No, no. So... The hatchet comes later. Oh, that comes later. That comes later. So this big meat cleaver knife thing. That's just a meat cleaver. So anyway, Helga makes it to like the end of her, like the front of her apartment. And she like basically gets cleaved again and she breaks the window. All right. Breaking through a window. Woman's head going through glass, going through a window. 
a Dario Argento signature. Exactly. Each one of these movies we're talking about today has, that. has a scene <laughs> with a woman's head going through yeah. a window and getting injured yeah. in some way. Well, we have this character, Marcus. He's like a pianist. Marcus Daly, sometimes referred to as Mark, played by British actor David Hemmings, Nicole. And he is a pianist, Nicole. Yeah. But let's pause for a second because we need to remind the listeners that Italian movies, again, we've said this multiple times on the podcast, they are shot without audio. Right. So later on, the actors go back into the studio and dub their lines, dub the dialogue, regardless of what country they're from. It doesn't matter if they're from Italy, they're from the U.S., they're from Britain. It makes no difference. This is how Italian movies were made back in the day. They... Uh, Clint Eastwood, when he was making movies with Sergio Leone, his his dialogue was not recorded on set uh, or, you know, on location, whatever the case may be. No, he went back into the studio and recorded that dialogue later. This way, I guess the idea was the Italians could send their movies anywhere in the world in that country's language. Right. They would just be dubbed in that country's language regardless. So, in a lot of the movies then, what you'll see are... English-speaking actors like David Hemmings speaking English. His mouth is clearly speaking right. English. Clearly. And he goes back in, and this is his actual voice. He goes in and dubs himself later. Well, Daria Nicolodi, who we talked about earlier, Nicole, is in all three of these movies. She is in this movie, and right. I know I'm introducing her a little early, but... In their scenes together, for instance, Daria is Italian, yeah. but she's speaking English as well. You can clearly see that she's speaking English, but they use someone else usually to go back in and do her overdub work. They dub right. in a different person's voice, someone without an Italian accent, right. I guess. So it's easier for English audiences to understand. It's the old Mel Gibson and Mad Max thing, even though he's speaking uh, in Australian and in English, Australian English. I know Australian, the language Australian. Yes, Nicole. the Australian. But yes, language. he had. They, the theory was that he had such a thick Australian accent that American audiences aren't going to understand him. So in the initial versions of Mad Max, yeah, yeah they had to use like a different actor dubbing that did dubbing for Mel Gibson. So. Yeah, that's how it works, just so you know. So if you like watch these movies and you're like, man, this old dubbing thing's really irritating, I'm sorry. Just kind of get used to it. You I get don't used even, to it. I don't even notice Nicole it. Nicole doesn't even notice it. Yeah. See, listeners, no big deal. So Marcus, Nicole, back to Marcus. Marcus Six hears hours later. Marcus and his friend. Carlo. Carlo. Carlo is Gabrielle Lavia. And so they, they're outside by a fountain talking, and Carlo's drinking. and Carlo is a drunk. Carlo's yeah. a drunk. But anyway, they hear, they hear a scream, and Marcus runs to uh, investigate and try to help. Yeah. Well, and he sees, too, from the ground. He sees the whole head going through the window thing from yeah. the ground level and he sees, outside the fountain. He sees a shape. A dark figure with oh, the course. knife. Yeah, here. with the knife. So. And we also, Nicole, before this, again, kind of a director's signature. We see a black gloved hand, Nicole, rifling through some papers, like touching things on yes, camera. Yeah. Well, Dario says that usually in these movies, if there's a shadowy 
black clad figure, a hand on the screen doing some murdering, rifling through some papers in this. That's usually him. And he says, you know, I'm pretty good at it. I'm pretty good at this. So, like, he's very comfortable doing it. But, yeah, usually it's just Dario himself doing the acting of these, like, black gloved hands and things like this. So, every time I see this scene in particular, I'm like, oh, there's Dario's hand right there (laughs) digging through some papers. I I like that element. Um, Anyway... So he runs in this apartment. I don't know how you run up like a multi-story. Oh, it was like on the third floor or something. Yeah, Second you run floor, up and you least. know exactly which apartment it is. Yeah, how do you know so which one it is? He runs in and he runs down the hallway. And in this hallway, there are some really creepy paintings. Some pretty creepy paintings. Nicole. I mean, I would like to study them. Yes. There are... It's a lot of faces. A lot of faces, but the paintings, every picture, the painting has white eyes. Yeah, and they all kind of like, look like they're kind of like a green tint. So they look kind of like dead. They're These like, white eyes and like, it's... Uh, it, it's a, they're they're yeah. odd paintings. Uh, kind well, of anyway, creepy, Nicole. He runs by and you're looking at all these paintings. Now, he he's he's getting like overwhelmed basically with all the visuals running down this hallway though. So he runs to Helga and you know, she is obviously dead. And so then the police come. The police come and they begin this whole investigation. Nicole. Right. Well, also, Gianna comes. Gianna, who is a what, Nicole? She's a journalist. Yeah, a journalist. Gianna is played by Daria Nicolodi, of course. That's right. Now, let's pause for a second and do a <laughs> little bit, just a little actor autopsy on Daria Nicolodi, Nicole. Okay. Born in Florence, Italy, Nicole. June 19th of 1950, Nicole. She did pass away, Nicole. November 26th of 2020, at age 70, due to undisclosed causes. They didn't say. Didn't say what happened. And that's fine, because it's no one's business, Nicole. So, Daria and Dario, they met during the casting of this movie in 1974. And you know what, Nicole? They became an item. A couple. A couple. Partners, Nicole. Never married, But they were together until 1985. They do have a daughter together, Nicole. The daughter's name is Asia Asia Argento, Argento. who has gone on to star in movies, some of Dario's movies, some other movies. Uh, Probably the most mainstream thing that she was in was Triple X. Yeah, I was going to say, I think she was in Triple X. Yeah, she was in that with who, Nicole? Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel, of course, Craig. So that was probably her kind of like most, uh, I, I guess, like American recognized, you know, American role. Yeah, right, right. People would see her in. Uh, so Daria Nicole also contributed to some ideas, some stories, some writing, Nicole, with Dario, specifically on Suspiria. Suspiria, she's credited with uh, screenplay. And you asked, you said, when we were watching these movies, like, is Daria, like, in all of his movies? What? Yeah. What's the deal, Craig? Yeah. Well, no, not all of them. You did ask about Suspiria specifically. And I didn't remember I her remember being in it. I don't remember her being in it. But 
She does have a cameo, which I often like. I'll go back and read like you know something, and I'll see that that she was yeah. has this cameo in Suspiria as a woman in the airport, Nicole, which would have been at the very beginning oh, of the okay. movie. But you know what? I don't know that I've ever actually seen her in the movie, so yeah. she's in there somewhere. Maybe I've seen it and I just don't remember. Anyway, Nicole. So she also was involved in the story. On Inferno, which is technically the sequel to Suspiria. Suspiria. Is that Suspiria 2? Suspiria 2, <laughs> but not in Japan because that's Deep Red, of course. Yeah. So, Daria stars in Deep Red, has the cameo in Suspiria. She's in Inferno, in Tenebrae, Phenomena, Opera, also Terror at the Opera. It's known as, uh, that's where I, how I saw it on VHS, Nicole. Uh, and then also the Mother of Tears, Nicole. Okay. So she's in a number, a number, a number of, of Daria yeah. movies. Some of those were after they had split up as well, Opera and the Mother yeah. of Tears. So hey, yeah, you know they uh, and apparently on Opera, I think there were there was some tension, some difficulties in their relationship while filming it. Uh, like they didn't really get along that well on set, probably because oh. at that point they had separated, and yeah, yeah. their relationship was you know just. Not what it once was. Anyway, Nicole. So Daria shows back up here, or Gianna is her name in the movie, Nicole. So basically, Gianna and Marcus are kind of working together. These are the these are the two that end up being the people who are not really like involved in a police investigation. It seems like they're trying to avoid the police because right. Marcus might be some sort of a suspect. So they're trying to kind of avoid the police most of the time through the movie. And yes, they're the ones who are kind of doing their own little investigation. But Daria, uh, I'm sorry, I keep calling her Daria. Uh, Gianna keeps trying to fight for this, uh, this team up, basically. Yeah. She's trying to fight for it. And Marcus always seems a little bit reluctant. Like he wants to do his own thing. He wants to do his own thing. You know, just just leave me alone. And I will say that Daria and David on on set here in the film, uh, my God, they have some pretty incredible chemistry. Like it's, uh, it's pretty great. Like I feel like these characters work so well together and they seem to be having such a good time in these scenes. And you might think that in a movie like this, it's total serious business. Uh, no fun to be had at all, Nicole, but there is actually, there's a lot of there's comedy dialogue, some comedy that's very amusing, some funny situations. You have the situation with, uh, Gianna's car that it's kind of in pretty it's, bad it's, shape. It's in decline. Pretty broken yeah. down. And he gets in and like he's sitting in the passenger seat and all of a sudden the passenger seat just like sinks. Like yeah. it just drops. So he looks like he's like a foot shorter than she is in the car. So that's kind of funny. And then of course like the door lock situation comes up a number yeah. of times where she's like, oh, you didn't lock the door, did you? Because now we'll have to get a locksmith to open it. <laughs> so they have to like crawl out of the sunroof in the car yeah. to get yeah. out of the car then and the car is already very small it's very funny it's Nicole. funny yeah. they have the arm wrestling scene yeah which i always get a kick out of as well and they're arm wrestling and she wants to arm wrestle you know marcus because he's a, a big strong man so and she he, and he doesn't believe that you know he's kind of borderline misogynist oh yeah definitely yeah. So, definitely you know, yeah she's like 
Um, no. We're yeah, there's, there's no way he can beat me. And then, of course, she does beat him. And, like, multiple times. Yeah, and he, he, like, keeps saying that it's a cheat. It's an absolute cheat. An elbow-off-the-table cheat. Yes. And I get such a kick out of it. And, Nicole, in the U.S. original cut that I would have seen back on VHS in the day, they cut 22 minutes from the movie. And most of what they wanted to eliminate were the humorous or romantic scenes between David and Daria. Uh, and why, you why? know? Because you gotta cut down on the runtime. This stuff's boring. American audiences don't want to see this. But I do want to see it, Nicole. Yeah. Because it's enjoyable. Anyway, so yeah, I think their chemistry is fantastic. These characters are great working together on the screen, Nicole. Marcus ends up meeting Carlo's mom. Goes to try to find Carlo. He wants to talk to him about... What he may have seen. You know, did you see something, Carlo? Yeah. Is there something you can tell me? Did you see the murderer leave the building that night? But Carlo's drunk. He was drunk out there in the uh, by the fountain. He didn't see anything. But yeah, he goes to meet Carlo's mom. And she's like obsessed with engineers for some reason. She like keeps calling Marcus an engineer. And he's a pianist. And he, re- he repeats it several times. No, look, I'm not an engineer. I'm well, a pianist. Well, and you think that she's kind of a... Like a daughtery old lady. Daughtery old lady. Kind you of know, an eccentric character, I you suppose. Know, yeah, just an eccentric character. I'm just going to, like, brush her off. You yeah. Know, kind you know, of. just going to, just let's just forget about Carlo's mom and try to avoid her because she's acting very strangely. Let's yeah, just, uh, yeah. let's just, you know, ignore her. Well, he does end up finding Carlo. And Carlo, he does seem to be encouraging Marcus. To give up his interest yeah. in this murder situation, he, you know, he, just he like just like let it alone. Look, Marcus, just leave this alone. Yeah, you don't want to like let it alone, Nicole. Yeah. You don't want to. You don't want to be messing around with this. Just let the police handle it and just forget about the whole thing. Well, the very, very, very beginning of this cut of the movie, Nicole. There's a little children's tune playing. Yeah, it, it plays pretty much through the whole thing. It's like. A haunting, you know, haunting children's rhyme. Yeah, a little little children's tune that's uh, pretty creepy, Nicole. And at that very beginning scene... I would say a chant. Almost, almost a chant, huh? Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Children's chant. Children's chant. Yikes. So, we see like a, a scene at the beginning where we can only kind of see shadows. But it looks like a killing has occurred, Nicole. Yeah. And then there's we a see Christmas a, tree, a Christmas and, tree, um, a table, probably a table, and and like you know you see like a, a patent leather little shoe with a sock. Yeah, and that happens after we see a bloody knife fall to the floor. Yes, these little shoes, these little socks walk right. into the scene. Right. So yeah, we're immediately thinking: Does a child at the beginning of this movie witness a murder, Nicole? Yes. And the answer seems to be yes. Well. <laughs> Like we said, that tune comes back over and over during the movie. And a lot of times, it's when someone, a character, is in imminent danger, Nicole. (laughs) It's in peril. Yes. There's a scene where Marcus is alone in his apartment playing the piano, practicing a little bit. He's he's noodling, Nicole, (laughs) on the piano. That's right, noodling. And... He's in some danger here because suddenly we hear this spooky little tune playing. And... Marcus, he grabs this little sculpture. So, like, I get the feeling that the people can hear this, too. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like Marcus could yeah, hear this it's, little chant. We, yeah, because I think they show it being played on a tape recorder. Yeah, yeah. So the killer brings this with them. And later on in one of the scenes, we see, oh gosh, I don't know if it's a police officer or if it's this guy, Giordani, uh, Glauco Mari, who's like helping out uh, Marcus with the investigation later on. Uh, someone talks about how the killer might use, Nicole, a leitmotif, as you said, yes, Nicole, in the yes. movie, yes, uh, to recreate the conditions and essentially trigger their madness, trigger their own madness to do some killing. <laughs> so that's the idea is they use this little musical tune, this little tape recorder to trigger the proper conditions for killing, Nicole. <laughs> um, I have to say that during this whole movie, we get to hear some swanky music. Oh, yeah. And, Nicole, we're not going to forget about talking about the music, music for this one. Yeah. Because this is apparently the introduction on this Arrow video release was Claudio Simonetti talking about how this was his first time working on a film score. And his band at the time is called... Goblin. Goblin, Nicole. Sometimes referred to as The Goblins. Sometimes it's just listed in the American weird credits as The Goblin. One Goblin. Uh, you know, so, but yeah, it's uh, Goblin is the name Goblin. of the band. And kind of this progressive rock band yeah, yeah. from the 70s. Uh, Goblin... Yeah, it has this incredible music in this movie, yeah. Nicole. My goodness, Nicole, it's incredible. <laughs> and of course, like you said, that wonderful music just continues on through the movie, Nicole. We do have a cool gimmick later on where there's a writer who wrote about the house where this initial child witnessing of murder happened at right. the very beginning it's of the movie. It's kind of like a folk, like a folk yeah, tale. Yeah, I guess it's become like a folk tale. Yeah. Like a, a spooky yarn in Italy. Nicole. Yeah, right, right. And it leads Marcus to this house. It does, it's, but before okay. it leads to that house, Nicole, we have Amanda Rigetti as the character, yes. played by Juliana Calandra. She writes the fable. Basically. She writes, yes, the, the story. And yes, there is, Nicole's talking about, there's a picture of this house where apparently this may have hand, uh, happened. Maybe it's like a haunted house. Yeah. But before we get there, Nicole, someone, of course, kills Amanda. Amanda Rigetti. Yeah. And there's a cool gimmick where uh, she's killed, of course. That's not so cool. Yeah. But she's lying on the ground in her bathroom. And there is a mirrored wall, and she's lying there dead, but pointing to the mirror. Yeah. Like she's laying on the ground, and like her last effort was writing something on this mirror, Nicole. Yeah. But nobody knows because the the fog that or the condensation yeah. that came from the, the heat, hot yeah. heat yeah, that is was, gone. Because she was killed by scalding her. She was scalded to death. In the tub. Yeah. So the heat from the water steamed up the window or the, the mirror. And she was lying right. on the ground, wrote something said, on the mirror. I think today the hot water heaters here have like some safety Some safety, things. safety like, uh, catches you, on them. You, you can't third degree burn yourself on the water. If you, if you can, you shouldn't. You should yeah, be very right, careful, right, Nicole. Right. Well, so... Yes, this character I mentioned earlier, Giordani, he goes over after the murder and... Asks to 
enter the home and there's like a woman there who is was shown before. Is it the detective or just a, a friend as a of Marcus's? caretaker? Yeah, I don't know if he's actually, actually a police officer. This is Helga's friend. Helga's friend. Yes, that's right. Okay, see, we're figuring things out as we go along here, <laughs> listeners. Yeah, Helga's friend, Giordani, from that original uh, parapsychology conference. Uh, conference. Yeah. Yes. So that's how he gets involved is Marcus goes to talk to Giordani and another fellow from the parapsychology conference uh, about the murder of Helga. You're right. So that's how they get connected. So Giordani goes to investigate this. He wants to see if he can figure anything out, any details. And I guess the concern at this point is the police might go there looking for Marcus because he might be a suspect, but Giordani not so much. So Giordani goes in and he sees her pointing. Nicole, so he figures it out. To the yeah. glass. And he figures out, hey, wait a minute. So he steams up the room and we don't see what it says, but we know that he sees what he, it says. He, he knows Nicole. Yeah. So, and basically what Amanda Rigetti was writing was the identity of the killer, Nicole. Right. So that's the idea is that Giordani knows. And of course now, Nicole, Giordani has to get bumped off too. And when he gets bumped off, we're going to get back to your house, Nicole, don't worry. There's this weird puppet yes. doll thing that comes oh, like man. prancing out of this doorway it's suddenly. It's so weird. And it's this weird little robotic, creepy robot kid. So it's like robot. an animatronic. An animatronic child uh, in like a suit though. And is it even a child? I'm trying to remember. If it, is no, it bald? Does it have hair? I, I don't know. I can't remember. But it's a creepy little sucker. And it's only like a few feet tall. Like three feet tall maybe? Yeah. I don't know. Something like that. So it comes like, like I said, prancing out of this doorway suddenly. And it moves. Its arms kind of sway. And its feet, because of, I'm sure, how it was designed it was probably like extended into the room on some sort of like a uh, like a pole right. or an extending device so its feet kind of move in a way where it's not really touching the ground so it looks like it's kind of floating into the room and its head's a little bit tilted and it's kind of uh, this creepy laugh is coming out of it so it is weird nicole weird and i guess that that it was definitely a distraction so that the killer could kill him. Right. Salvatore Argento, Dario's father, and maybe someone else too, were trying to argue against this, saying, Dario, this is just stupid. You know, like, let's Don't not put that. this in the movie. And Dario was very insistent. He's like, no, you know, like, we got to get this into the movie. And man, you know, the weird thing is... I often forget this is in the movie, yeah. but when I see well, it because again... Because it makes no sense. Yeah, it just comes right. out of nowhere. When I see it again, I'm like, man, that is fucked up. Like, I wouldn't want to see that coming in a room after me. So, the cool thing about this is, Dario went to Carlo Rambaldi, Nicole. Carlo Rambaldi designed this little puppet guy. So, Carlo Rambaldi, Nicole, do you know what famous creature he created in 1982 for cinemas, Nicole. No. For Steven Spielberg. E.T. The Extraterrestrial, Nicole. <laughs> was designed by Carlo Rambaldi. So he made this creepy robot kid. Also made E.T., okay. Nicole. A couple of creepy things. Because E.T. is pretty creepy, too. Yeah. Anyway, so I just thought that was cool. I never know, I, I'd never known that until watching one of these uh, documentaries. 
where Dario actually talked about that. Uh, I didn't realize that that was a Rambaldi creation, Nicole. So Giordani gets killed. Of course, he gets killed, listeners. We're not spoiling that much. He gets killed with this big, this big Bowie knife thing. Yeah. And on this, on this cut that we saw, it was very clear. Like you it could was see really what, neat. what was yeah. like etched into the uh, the blade on it. Yeah. And it was the original Texas Hunter, is what it said on the yeah. side. Craig had to stop the movie. I had to stop it because I'd never seen that before. So I had to look it up. I googled it. Google Googled search, it. listeners. That's right. Original Texas Hunter, and I shouldn't have called. And it's look, a, bo- a, a That's real the book knife. knife. Right there. So, like, yeah, it's it's out there, Nicole. In Google Images, you can find actual images of the knife not being it's stabbed the into Texas Jordan. Hunter. Yes, the original Texas Hunter. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah, I mean, that has little or nothing to do with the movie other than it's a knife that stabs Giordani. But it was interesting to me, Nicole. <laughs> so, back to this house. What was this house from this picture in that story that Amanda Rigetti wrote? Right, so... Marcus gets led to this house, and this is not part of the movie either, but this house is amazing. It's pretty. It's it, pretty impressive. It's it's an Art Nouveau house. It's gorgeous. You looked it up earlier. I, you could go on a tour of it. I looked it up, and it says you can tour it. It's called, it's an actual house in Turin, Turin Italy, and it's called Villa Scott. Okay, Villa Scott. Villa Scott. All right. And um, so it's a yellow Art Nouveau house. Um, it it just was, it, it tickled my Art Nouveau heart. All right. Well, we'll see if we can go look at it tomorrow, Nicole. <laughs> okay, we're going right. to go tomorrow. Yep, we're going to go okay. tomorrow. So, yeah, what, what does Marcus do at this house? So, basically, he's walking around and... You know, he's looking for clues. Trying not to fall out of the building. He keeps going in and out of this place. In and out. In and out. And And like at one point, like we see this pane of glass that's broken, like just hanging on. And we see it hanging on. Like Dario shows us this specifically. And then we're like, oh man, it didn't fall. Okay, he's safe. But of course, then later on, it it falls and hits him right in the head. He's not killed. Marcus is not killed. But he does notice the in and out, going in and out. He notices like. There should be like a window. Or yeah. there's a window in the picture, but not on the outside of the house currently. Right. So something has been something looks weird to him. Remodeled or something yeah. here to cover up a room something. or a window, a section of the house. So of course he's figured out there there's this hidden room. Hidden room, hidden Nicole. Hidden room and And a little bit of a spoiler. He might find something in yeah. that room that is no longer alive, <laughs> But he also sees this picture. Yeah, and this so picture... Is in a different room, of It's pretty disturbing, Nicole. It's just a child's drawing, and yeah, it's a disturbing picture. Yeah, child's so, drawing drawn on the wall like a mural, but it had been, like, plastered over. Right, right, plastered over, so he has to chip away. Yeah, he sees a little bit of it peeking out, and that kind of piques his interest. Yeah. Peeking out piques his interest. <laughs> and he starts digging away at it with his fingernails and finally finds a piece of glass, a glass shard, starts using that to dig it away. And yeah, this picture, if you think about like a creepy childhood drawing of like a murder, this is it, Nicole. That's right. But he doesn't uncover the whole whole thing. Why did he stop, I don't know. Because, well, I guess he stopped because that gives the movie a chance to go on a little bit longer. uh, Because the full uh, mystery is not revealed. (laughs) But as he leaves, he like, 
slams the door or something, and then we, the audience, see some more of it fall away, some right. more of the plaster fall right. off, and we're given a hint that he is not about who perhaps He's the not true right. killer yeah. might be. So anyway, this they're the caretakers of this house because it is a, an a, abandoned house at at them when he's looking at it. So the um, the caretaker and his the caretaker's daughter, you know, he goes and sees them and he finds a, the little the daughter has kind of drawn the same thing. Yeah, she has the same picture. Yeah, and he's like, how how could you have seen this? Where did you see this? There's no way you could know well, about this because he because just he uncovered, uncovered it. it. And he said, well, and she said that. She had to put away artwork at school. She was being punished for yeah. misbehaving at school. Well, because she doesn't seem like the yeah, best kid. She, she tortures seems, lizards and things. Yeah, she tortures yeah. things. And so future serial killer in the making. Yeah. Either, but <laughs> yes. so, um, so anyway, that leads Marcus and Gianna to... Gianna's the, back, thankfully. The, the school. So we go to the school. Yeah, yeah. And here we have to dig out... In the archives, this the artwork, this artwork, yeah, and he does find it, Nicole. And he, but finds, as he finds it, someone finds, finds him. him. Yes, and Gianna is injured. Yeah. Thankfully, she's going to be okay she's because we wouldn't be want okay. anything to happen to That's Daria. Right. So she's going to be fine, Nicole. The police tell him that later. But Nicole, we think that this is all wrapped up. There's this crazy death. That happens to someone, Nicole, at the end of the movie. A crazy death where, like, the body's getting dragged and, like, uh, maybe a head gets crushed. Things get very violent, Nicole. It does get violent. So, this is not a tame little giallo mystery. There is some definite gore in this thing. But it's a good mystery. It's a good 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 little mystery, Nicole. Now, the ultimate thing, Nicole... This is the huge spoiler of the movie. I'm not going to say any so, more about the movie. Like, we, spoil it. We have to talk about one thing. We're not going to say, like, who it is or what happens okay. or anything. But, Nicole, we have to talk about a certain element of this movie. And, yes, listeners, this is a huge oh, okay. spoiler. A the huge hallway. spoiler uh, involving a hallway at the beginning of yes. the movie. So, if you don't want this spoiler, you want to watch Deep Red without it being spoiled... Uh, please, you know, just jump ahead for a little while. But I feel like we have to talk about this because it is such a unique element. It's in so film. good. Yes. So whenever I and here, here it comes, listeners. So this turn is it. Up, turn it up. So when I saw this originally, I saw the VHS version. As I said, I saw the deep red, the Hatchet Murders uh, version of the movie. And on VHS back in the day, they weren't showing movies in widescreen. Yeah. They weren't letterboxing things very often back in the day it was either. Pan. So it was pan and scan. Yeah. So you'd see like a centered image on it. So when I saw this originally, uh, and you see the ending then, there's this reveal at the end. Yeah. I, I was like, oh my God, I wonder in like the original version, the widescreen version, if you could see this. At the beginning of the movie. And you damn bet you can. Yeah. Dario spoils the killer at the very beginning. Yeah. But the thing about it is, if you're watching this in a theater, you can't rewind it. So if you're watching it and your your eyes are focused on the action, basically the spoil of who the killer is at the beginning of the movie is kind of in like your peripheral vision. Yeah. So you might not catch 
who it is, you might think later, did I like Marcus does yeah, in the movie? Yeah. Because this is something that is haunting Marcus. Well, because you might be looking at those creepy paintings. I'm getting chills just thinking about this, You might this, be Nicole. looking at the cr- creepy paintings yeah. with the white eyes and the creepy, green tinges. Creepy paintings yeah. and faces are all around this thing anyway. Yeah. So they're all over this hallway. And he's walking down this hallway. Towards and, Helga, who's dying or yeah, dead already. Helga's, Helga's, yeah, he's going to investigate the Helga murder. And the killer is still there. Yeah. And we see the killer, like I said, in peripheral vision. And if you can't rewind it when you're in the theater, yeah, you might be very much like Marcus thinking, man, I, I swear something? I saw something there and it's not here anymore. Yeah. What happened to it? Uh, like a painting is missing. Yeah. Because he asked the police when he goes back uh, to talk about having seen the murder situation. You know, he says, did you, did you guys move anything in here? Did you move something? Because yeah. something is not right. And it's because... The killer is missing because the killer was actually reflected in a mirror, yeah. Nicole. So it's so... It's pretty fucking cool, Nicole. It is cool. That Dario spoils this at the very beginning. But like I said, he's thinking about it in a theatrical release. He's not thinking about you watching this at home on your Blu-ray. And you can just back the scene up and yeah. say, what was that? And go back and look at it again. So, if you don't know this is coming, and then you go back and watch the movie in full, at the end, when this is revealed, I feel like everybody wants to go back to the beginning of the movie and say, was that actually there? And it is there, Nicole. It is there. So, a weird, self-spoiling movie, but like we said, it's kind of in the peripheral vision of you viewing the movie, really, Nicole. So... Anyway, Nicole, that's the end of the spoiler. That's okay, it, Nicole. That's the end. That's it. No more spoilers. So, wow, Deep Red. Uh, I love it. I love this movie, Nicole. <laughs> and I, too, like, upon this viewing, I was like, man, yeah, I, Nicole's right. I've seen this one a lot. I, this was the one out of the three, which is probably the one I was least excited about seeing this time. But it's, yeah, just because it, I've seen it pretty often. But it's so good. It's so good. It yeah. really is so good. So many elements. The Like I said, the relationship between Marcus and Gianna is so good. So glad that that is no longer cut. Uh, because that's ridiculous for that to have been cut out, Nicole. Uh, yeah, there's so much good stuff. The Goblin score, of course. and Dario. Dario's little, like setups and gimmicks that he yeah. uses here there's a lot of really clever stuff uh, especially that spoiler nicole that is uh that's some crazy stuff nicole crazy stuff <laughs> so there is also uh there's the the blue bar is what it's called where carlo works yeah and yeah like we're, we're definitely you see it from like the night and from kind of like an elevated view like a crane shot or out of a building or something so you're looking kind of down on it from sort of a uh, an overhead view. And it does uh, look very much like the Edward Hopper painting Nighthawks. Yes. yes, it does. And apparently there's another uh, Edward Hopper reference in the movie too that I mean to go back and look at at some point where in the blue bar later, um, Carlo and Marcus are playing the piano together. Yes. And apparently there's a character in the background or something from uh, another Edward Hopper painting, Automat. That looks very similar to a character from that. I wonder if that's true or if it's someone just stretching things a little bit. Maybe. So, but yeah, I'm curious to go back and look at that uh, at some point, Nicole. Uh, gruesome finale. 
for this movie. The uh, We talked about the body dragging finale. Of course, there's another finale that comes after that, Nicole. That's the yeah. false finish. We got to talk about professional wrestling for just a second. Oh, Nicole. my God. So professional wrestling, there's the art of the false finish. Yes. So you think someone's going to lose a professional wrestling match, but no, they get out of it somehow, you know? And in modern times, the false finish has become, like, ridiculous. Like, there are, like, 60 false finishes in a professional wrestling match. Well, Dario Argento, in these giallos, has become a master of the false finish as well. We see it in Deep Red. Because we think one person did the killing and then things keep going, Nicole. Uh, And these other movies, let me tell you, there are going to be more false finishes as well. We're going to talk about that, Nicole. So would you amass Deep Red, you think? Uh, Yeah. Now, would you amass the Deep Red Hatchet murders, Nicole? No, because I don't watch Hatchet movies. Right. (laughs) Anyway, Nicole. So yes. So if those uh, 22 minutes are cut... And it's the Hatchet Murders. You don't want to see that. Yeah, I don't watch that. But the full version with the great humorous scenes between David and Daria. That's what we need, Nicole. That's what we need. Uh, I, too, am uh, absolutely amassing Deep Red, Nicole. Uh, It's fantastic Jallo, Nicole. We'll come back at the end and we'll talk about which one of these is your favorite, though. We'll talk about that. So keep keep listening, listeners. Okay. Stay tuned. (laughs) the success of Deep Red, Nicole, in 1975, Dario goes in a little bit different direction. And a lot of people say that Deep Red is really kind of where he embraces more full-on horror elements. I think with kind of the the graphic killings. Gets away from more mystery, you think? Yeah, maybe a little bit, you know, and He's, he's getting away from that a little bit with kind of the, uh, the, yeah, the brutality of the movie, maybe. So, in 1977, Nicole, we also talked about this movie in our top 10 horror films of the 1970s episodes. This one is called, we mentioned it already, Suspiria. Suspiria. And this is the one that, 
you could kind of say it's a giallo, I guess. But I don't know. It's I, I I wouldn't really call Suspiria a giallo. I don't think it's more of a mystery. I mean, it does have the some, mysterious there's like some mystery in it, but I don't th- feel like it's a it's a not a full on investigation. Yeah, this feels more like supernatural horror to me. Right, yeah. There are elements of the giallo still there, like you have this kind of outsider yeah. coming in. And you have the the mysterious element to it. There is a mystery element to it in trying to figure out what's going on at that school, Nicole. Yeah. What is going on at that dance academy? There's witches there. <gasps> well, yes, Nicole. So Suspiria, yeah, a little bit different, Nicole. Not uh, not quite the same as your run of the mill sort of giallo, Nicole. So after that. In 1978, or well, about in, in around that time frame, Nicole, he Dario does a little bit of collaborating with George Romero on a movie that might be one of my favorite movies of all time. Number one, or is it co-number one, Nicole? Number two, number one, number two. I don't know. Dawn of the Dead from 1978, Nicole. He does help uh, with the production of that. The goblins. The goblins. He does. Yeah, the goblins are brought in. Yeah. There's certainly some uh, like music, like catalog music that Romero uses in the movie too. But uh, the the goblins, Goblin, does contribute a, uh, yes, a good amount to the soundtrack as well. And then also Dario was given the ability to do his own cut of the film, his own edit, for Italian, European audiences. So that was part of the agreement with the production, is that Dario could do his cut of the movie, and it was released in Europe as Zombie, Nicole, instead of Dawn of the Dead, just Zombie. zombie. Yes. He was involved in this... uh, Collaboration effort with Romero, which is pretty cool, Nicole. That is cool. So, after this, he returns to the uh, witchcraft, Nicole, of Suspiria with the sequel to Suspiria, Inferno, from 1980, Nicole. And Inferno, that's not one that we've ever covered. Eventually, we probably will. But... It's one that uh, I feel like is a little underrated. It's not perfect, but uh, I don't think it maybe gets the credit it deserves a lot of times. It does not have a goblin score. Like the goblin score of Suspiria is is so fantastic. And you're thinking, why wasn't Goblin brought back? Maybe Dario just felt like he needed to switch it up. Maybe. Not sure. So he had, I think maybe he had seen a concert or uh, just like... Something on the television, uh, the band Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. So he talked to Keith Emerson about doing the score for Inferno. And while it's not Goblin, it's still really, really (laughs) good, Nicole. Oh, <laughs> 
So Inferno, sort of a misunderstood sequel to Suspiria. Suspiria. After that, though, Dario returns to the Giallo, Nicole. With our next movie that we're going to talk about, if I can turn the page here in the notes again. You gotta well, flip I know the, what it is. Got to flip the pages. You know what it is? <laughs> I do. What's the movie called? Tenebrae. Tenebrae. Is that spelled T-E-N-E-B-R-E or is it T-E-N-E-B-R-A-E? I think it's A-E. It kind of depends on what you're seeing. Like sometimes it's spelled one way. Sometimes they put the A in. Oh. Sometimes they leave the A out. I don't know why that is, Nicole. I have no idea. Well, when I, I saw I, this, I wrote it down as A-E. You wrote it down as A-E. So did I. But also as R-E. Uh, anyway, so this movie, when I originally saw it on VHS, Nicole, back in the day, in the U.S. it was titled Unsane. <laughs> Which, <laughs> I don't remember if it was you or if it was Amy, my sister, that thought, like, that title just sounded stupid, Nicole. Unsane. Unsane. So, regardless... Unsane, uh, that's how I originally saw this, in cut form, of course. It wasn't like the full version like we saw here. But I always remember liking it. Like, even as Unsane, like, man, this is a kind of a wild little movie. And this was after I had kind of started to try to seek out some Dario Argento movies. I don't know if I saw Unsane before Deep Red or what, but... I know I saw Suspiria first. Right. Uh, Amy and I rented Suspiria from a little video store uh, near where we grew up. And it was always a movie that, like, I was, you know, I was pretty young when I saw it. So it's kind of like, I think I've told this story before, probably when we talked about Suspiria. But it was a movie where I was kind of like, boy, you know, I don't. I don't really know if I get this movie, but there was always something about it. it. (laughs) Yeah, there's always something about it that stuck with me. And as I started getting more interested in expanding, you know, my knowledge of horror and what I wanted to see with horror, I was like, man, I better see that Suspiria movie again. And this would have been like in my early teen years where I was actively trying to seek out new things to watch. And Dario Argento, you know, as you start to, you know, kind of look at directors and things, you start to kind of follow certain directors, you know, you'd hear like Wes Craven's name or George Romero's name thrown around. And you're like, these are like the masters of horror, Nicole. But then you also have this guy, Dario Argento, he's like this Italian guy. He's also a master of horror, just in Europe. There's that documentary that I mentioned earlier, Dario Argento's World of Horror, Nicole. I remember renting that from a video store thinking, you know, what is this going to be? Is this like an anthology or something? You know, and I probably like read on the bag, it's a documentary and like, oh, okay, you know, like I'll watch this and it'll help me to identify more Dario Argento movies. Because I didn't have the internet back then, Nicole. That's right. No internet. No internet. I used that and probably spoiled elements of a lot of these movies for myself inadvertently because it doesn't do a very good job of not spoiling things in that uh, documentary. But I remember Tenebrae Unsane, that being the connection, like, oh, you know, Tenebrae is Unsane. Okay, so now I should go find Unsane and rent it. And I did. So Unsane and Tenebrae, the title Tenebrae, Nicole, it kind of makes you think that maybe this movie would have something to do with Suspiria. And I hadn't seen Inferno at this point because he couldn't find it anywhere. So in Suspiria, they mention the three mothers. Yeah. 
And they talk about Mater Suspiriorum, the mother of size, Nicole. And then you have Mater Tenebrarum, Nicole. Tenebrae? Tenebrarum? The mother of darkness. You also have Mater Lacrimarum, the mother of tears, Nicole. And the mother of tears in Inferno is actually very briefly played by Anya Peroni, who also appears in Tenebrae as the first victim. So people have speculated that maybe Dario Argento calls the movie Tenebrae and uses that actor who played the mother of tears in Inferno and makes her the first victim in Tenebrae as kind of a slap in the face to anyone who was sort of expecting another sequel to Suspiria. Like, no, this is not what I'm doing. Take that, viewer. (laughs) Okay. We're going in a different direction. We're going back to the Giallo, Nicole. So Tenebrae released in Italy, Nicole, October 23rd, 28th, I can't read my number, uh, of 1982. And then February 17th of 1984 in the U.S., Nicole, uh, this is from 1982, uh, the Italian release, (laughs) rated R, Nicole, but... This movie has a bit of a history as far as its rating and violence. I mean, it's it could be more, I think. It's a little over the top, Nicole. This one is one hour and 41 minutes in the uncut form. According to IMDb, this is a horror mystery again, Nicole. It is written and directed by Dario Argento, who had said he may have been inspired by an actual incident with a stalker fan wow to create this movie nicole okay. so in the uk specifically maybe in other countries as well tenebrae the poster art there's a woman kind of lying and we're seeing her kind of from like a back view like we'd be looking at her head first lying down and she's got like some blood like running down her throat like her throat has been cut. Okay. So in the UK, no, no, that was too much. What they did was, in the UK, they put a red ribbon, a red <laughs> ribbon around her throat instead. <laughs> so no cut throat, red ribbon. Okay. Also, Nicole, this movie is a full-fledged video nasty, Nicole, really? in the UK. So we've talked about video nasties before. The Video Nasties, there were 39 Section 1 films that were actually prosecuted for their content Okay. in the UK. So Tenebrae brought, brought is against, one of them. Brought up for charges. Actual charges prosecuted because of the violence Not the just banned. Not just like... banned. Prosecuted. Then there are also in Section 2 of the Video Nasties... 33 movies that were not actually prosecuted. Uh, There's also a Section 3 that has 82 movies in it. Those movies were liable to seizure and could be confiscated. A little bit less obscene. (laughs) But, so they were prosecuted, but they were still on this notorious list. So if authorities went in and a video store had these on the shelf, they could just take it. They could just take it, burn it, 
get rid of it. Regardless I, of... I feel like these lists make you want to watch them. Yeah, of course it does. That's why I've, I've been actively trying to collect all of the actual <laughs> prosecuted films. That's funny. So I'm trying to get my hands on all of well, them. Well, just and, like banned books. Doesn't exactly. that make you want to read them? It makes you want them? to read them. Yeah. And now, you know, some of these movies are, you know, pretty sleazy and terrible, yes. trashy uh, movies, but at the same time, yeah, you know, censorship is uh, it's a dangerous thing, Nicole. It can be. So, in the Section 3 films, uh, Suspiria and Deep Red were part of the Section 3, which were less obscene, but, you know, they could confiscate them, mm-hmm. Nicole. But Tenebrae is the only full-fledged Argento video nasty, Nicole. It's actually still, Nicole, still banned in Germany, the uncut version. You still cannot get it in Germany, Nicole. That's not that bad. <laughs> According to Germany, it is, Nicole. And I guess, you know, like the main the main strike for Tenebrae as a video nasty is it's got to be the violence uh, against women, right? That has to be what it is. Because it, this is primarily a movie with violence yes. against women. Not, not exclusively, but, you know, primarily. So... What um what happens in Tenebrae, Nicole? Do you know anything about this one? <laughs> sure. So you have Peter Neal. Peter Neal is played by Anthony Franciosa. And apparently, again, allegedly here, Dario said that Anthony was perhaps the most difficult lead actor that he had to work with. Really? Over the years. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't seem like such a bad guy on camera. But, uh, you know, hey, I don't know. Hey, hey. Anyway, so Peter Neal, what is he, Nicole? So Peter Neal is an author. Yes, he is. And he seems to primarily write some kind of, like, crime thriller yeah. mystery fiction. So he flies, Killings. To, he flies to Italy because his new book is coming out. He's got to go to Italy? Yeah. He's doing a book tour. And his book is called Tenebrae. Tenebrae. It makes sense, Nicole. He's got a, an agent... Bulmer, played by John Saxon, veteran of uh, many horror films, Nicole, John Saxon, including some other Italian ones. Right. He gets to Italy, and like his first day there, the police come and knock on his door and say there's been a murder. And the, the, like, the, the lady that was murdered had like pages of tenebrae stuffed in her mouth. Stuffed in her mouth, Nicole. Yeah. Yeah. So, it so you seems get the like feeling she shoplifted a book. She did. We do see her shoplift yeah. a book. And you get the feeling she's kind of, um, you know, she's flirty. A little flirty. A little flirty. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know, like, it, it, that's that's all still we know not about something, her. Yeah, still not something that you should be killed over being right. flirty. And even exactly. stealing a book, not really something you should die I for mean, necessarily. And actually, the... Uh, security guard let her have it let her off because she gave him her number and was like hey you should come over sometime and then he was like oh yeah you can just keep the book and i'll come over sometime (laughs) so there's this killer on the loose a killer on the loose killing just like the killer in the book yeah so So, that's the that's what uh captain germani or detective germani some kind of uh police person germani yeah uh played by giuliano gemma it talks about how, yeah, it seems like these this killing is like a mimic killing. It seems to be what he's uh, he's saying here. It's not too long after that that Peter gets a um, a letter 
slid under the door in like serial killer fashion, you know, cut out newspaper. Oh, sure. Like kind of like a ransom note. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You got like the, yeah, letters cut out of a newspaper or magazine. And basically what I got from it is this guy's killing perverts. He's killing perverts. Filthy perverts. <laughs> He's killing people that he thinks. They're somehow perverted. Or yes, somehow there's some perverted. perversion involved yeah. with them. Yeah. And we see a few times in the movie. Someone is having kind of these weird dreams or flashbacks about this woman who's on a beach at one point, kind yeah. of flirting with some guys, and then like at some sort of like a, uh, I don't know, a beach um, club or looks something. Looks like a luau. I don't know what's don't going know. on. But yeah, she's wearing these like red heels. And it's got like this, uh, this red heel fetish vibe going on in the movie. Because yeah. at one point, like a character gets like their... The heel uh, of the red heel, like, shoved in their mouth at one point. And, like, yeah, it's just kind of a little bit of a, yeah. a high heel fetish thing going well, on. Well, like, she's flirting. This lady with um, the red heels is flirting with a bunch of guys. And it seems to me like this other guy this comes other up. Person. And he he's, he's trying to be, like, I don't know. You get the feeling like he's confronted her and she's cho- choosing the other guy. Right. Like he's been rejected. Right. Is the idea. And these other guys are like holding him down while she presses her red heeled high heel into his mouth. Right. So. Yeah. And then know. as the movie goes on, we get more of this revealed to us where someone off camera who we can't see actually stabs this high-heeled woman. Yeah. So, yeah, there's definitely like this, like, yeah, we believe, I think, this uh, idea of like, this person has been rejected by this woman. Right, And, yeah, I don't know, It's uh, it ties into the movie eventually in ways that we probably can't reveal, spoiler-wise. But, (laughs) anyway, so, these killings keep going on, Nicole. There's another set of killings. And this one is... It's kind of a famous shot. There's a uh, an interviewer who comes to interview Peter Neal at like a uh, about the book, yeah, yeah. and then she's later shown with her roommate, her girlfriend. Yeah, they live together in this house, and it seems that they do have like a relationship. They have a relationship. Yeah, yeah. they're they're together. But her the. The one who's not the interviewer, the other, uh, her girlfriend, uh, seems to be like, she likes to kind of play both sides, Nicole. She likes to go out with the guys sometimes, too. And it seems like that really pisses off uh, Fiona. Is that her name? I can't remember the uh, the other character. But, yeah, it seems to really not appreciate this at all. It gets really kind of pissed off. Calls her like a cheap little slut or whore or something like that, Nicole. And... She doesn't seem to mind her girlfriend. Kind of likes. It seems like she likes taunting her with. Yeah, she likes. She likes making her girlfriend jealous. Basically, right? Exactly. So we have this shot then, Nicole, that is pretty famous. It's this crane shot that comes in at about twenty-eight minutes into the movie, if it's the uncut version, and the crane shot lasts. For like two, two and a half minutes. And it's outside the house. Right. We're in like one room out of a window. And we go up then. So we see the one character. Then we go up outside the house to see the other character, the girlfriend in the house. And then we go up over the roof all the way across the roof and down the other side. And 
then we start like peeking in those windows. So we're really very much a voyeur yeah, at this point, yeah. sneaking around outside the house, looking through the windows with this uh, elaborate crane shot that apparently took three days to film, wow. Nicole, three days to shoot it. So we come down the opposite side of the house then, peeking again, like I said, in the windows. But this time we see someone breaking into yeah. one of the windows, cutting some like blinds to get in, Nicole. Uh, through an open window. And apparently, when this was released in the U.S., as unsane, presumably, the U.S. distributors, they just wanted to cut the whole crane shot out completely. What? Even though, like, Dario, like, spent so much time putting this together, it was so important to him, they just wanted to eliminate that. And he was like, no. He refused. He's like, forget it. You're not cutting that crane shot out of the movie. Again, U.S. distributors, so like, they thought it was just too boring for this kind of movie. It's too boring. But so, like, they didn't take into the account the artwork or right. cinema. They didn't appreciate of yes. that. They didn't yeah. care. They didn't about appreciate that. the art of cinema involved here, Nicole. All they cared about was getting to the next killing. Yeah. Uh, yes, because they thought American audiences would be bored. So, Nicole, this uh, fantastic crane shot uh, is something to certainly look for. And it leads to. A double razor murder, Nicole, of both of these women. Not surprisingly, not much of a spoiler. But we do here have the director's signature, Dario Argento. Someone's head going through some glass and getting cut up a little bit, Nicole. And yeah, these killings, like you said, they seem very much like a tribute to Peter Neal, Nicole. Which is a little disconcerting, isn't it? Yeah. He has a... Former, was she a wife? Or was she like an ex-wife or just an ex uh It's lover? a fiancé. Fiancé. His ex-fiancé? Or current fiancé? current fiancé. Okay. Well, man, she's got some problems, Nicole. They keep so, trying to get in touch with her. We do see her at the beginning of the movie when Peter is leaving to go to Rome. And he leaves his bag unattended in the airport where these days nicole you cannot get away with something like that leave your bag can't leave your bag just sitting around there and while he's taking a phone call someone takes his bag nicole and there's some shenanigans and we see this character jane who's played by veronica lario nicole in a phone booth and she was actually just talking to peter on the phone, in the airport, while someone else, she had some sort of a... Decoy, like, destroying his bag. Yeah, destroying something in the bag. So, we see Jane then, a few times, in Italy. And we're like, wait a minute, is that Jane? And the characters, they also say, wait a minute, minute, is that that Jane? Jane? (laughs) So, yeah, Nicole, this Jane, she keeps popping up. She does keep popping up. And Peter has a secretary. Who's the secretary, Nicole? Uh, Dario Nicoletti. <laughs> Dario Nicoletti as Anne here, Nicole. And in this version... She's American. She's she's American. And her dubbing here was, I guess it's rumored, I don't know, it, it said that maybe she's never actually confirmed it. But there is an American actress... Teresa Russell, who was in like a number of things like before and after this, that she's said to have actually done the dubbing in this movie, which is kind of interesting, Nicole. Hmm. Huh. So Daria, Nicole, Anne. Is Peter's secretary. Yes. 
tries to kind of manage his uh, things going on here in Italy, yeah. along with his agent, Bulmer, John Saxon. But it seems like they do kind of... They have a relationship a little, a little bit, a little too. something going on there, Nicole. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely some sort of an attraction, because at one point they do a little kissing. And... Anne says, you know, like, hey, we're just going to forget about this in the morning, right? This isn't going to be something that's going to, like, linger and mess up our professional relationship if we go about this. uh, This whole, like, uh, love affair situation, Nicole. We have this younger lady, Maria. She's kind of, like, works at the hotel. Yeah. She's the the hotel manager's daughter. daughter. And, yeah, she comes over to repair like uh or turn on the water or something like that so we see her later getting pissed off at this motorcycle boy and then she gets scared by a dog nicole do you remember this scene yes so like and it's nighttime here the dog like uh Starts chasing her, and it's a Doberman. It's a Doberman. And in the 80s, the Doberman was Doberman like the equivalent was the... of the pit bull. Like, exactly. it was like a very <laughs> yes. notoriously dangerous dog, the Doberman. So, an 80s child, you know, 80s child were afraid of quicksand and Doberman. Quicksand, Doberman. <laughs> That's right. Possibly in that order. Quicksand yeah. first, <laughs> then Dobermans. That's right. That's the Doberman you want to stay away from. Right. Now, if you ran into both at the same time, like let's say you were trying to get away from a Doberman and you fell in some quicksand, (laughs) imagine that, Nicole. (laughs) So, yes, this Doberman, she kind of like hits the fence that it's behind with like a stick or something because it scares her. She baited it. She gets pissed off at it, but then the dog gets even more pissed. And this fucking dog, Nicole, it's can amazing. climb fences. It climbs right up the like iron, like the right. It just like goes. Yeah, it just it just climbs right over the fence and like uh-huh. it starts chasing her. <laughs> so yeah, this fence climbing dog, and it does it more than once. It, this like, dog is incredible. It's, it is not forgetting that she has uh-uh. like um, you yeah. know hurt its feelings Cause because she gets she, away a couple of times after, but her. it just keeps pursuing. She ends up getting into this building. And in this basement of the building, she sees a bunch of photos of murders, Nicole. Yeah. And also finds cutouts, cutout letters to make those anonymous letters to send to Peter Neal. Yeah. So she goes upstairs. And Nicole, when she's upstairs, a shadowy figure emerges and kind of does this cool little move. And this is probably Dario, of course, right? (laughs) We're kind of like... Flings their arm out with like a razor, a straight razor in their hand. Yeah. And what does that person say, that shadowy figure, about Maria in the house? It goes, spy. <laughs> yes. Please help me. Uh, the door was open and I was attacked by a crane. Spy. Oh Damn my God. Spy. Damn little spy. And yeah, it's it's so funny. It's the, uh, so funny. The spy and bit. I kept calling you a spy like all week. Of course, yeah. <laughs> I'm a spy now after that. But then instead of that razor, because the razor gets knocked out of the, the killer's hand and falls into like a pond or something. Here's the so first instead, hatchet. has to use a hatchet and axe right. Nicole and goes after Maria with that. Mm-hmm. Poor Maria Nicole. They end up then Peter and another character, Gianni who we haven't mentioned, played by Christian Boremo. And uh, Gianni is kind of like a uh, he's like a little errand boy for Peter. Yeah, Neal. like a, you know, what do you call it? A gopher? Yeah, a gopher. Or a, while like he's a driver. Yeah, he's there in Italy, right? So 
yeah, Gianni's interested in this investigation too. So he and Peter, they're going to try to figure out what happened to Maria. And we see that, Nicole, a terrible situation. There's an interviewer as well, John Steiner, playing the character Cristiano Berti. And he is some sort of a television show host or something, yeah, right? but he also said something peculiar to Peter earlier he about... He does say some peculiar things about perversion, About I think, perversion, Nicole. right. Like, right. about cracking down on, like, yeah. you know, perverts and, like, and, and stuff. Yeah, I think he talks about how that's what he believes Tenebrae to be about. Right. And Peter Neal, like, as he's... Presenting this idea to he's him. like no Peter's no like, no that's not like, what, what that movie what are you books about. what are you talking about and like he he looks like you know very kind of taken aback by it Nicole and we see Cristiano in his house get an axe to the head Nicole but Cristiano's house is the same house huh as the one that Maria was in yeah oh my God Nicole so Gianni he's okay. But he's really shaken up about this. Like, this has really messed him up. He uh, he doesn't like this at all. He's, he's really scarred by seeing Cristiano get hit uh, in the head with the axe and, you know, killed, of course. And Peter had gotten, like, whacked in the head with a brick or something earlier. So he was, like, out of commission back in the... Uh, in the background somewhere, Nicole. He's, he's gone, but Gianni's okay. He's okay. <laughs> and we then... We, we get the reveal later... That John Saxon, Bulmer, and Jane, Peter's former so, or current so fiance. Peter's, Peter's agent and his fiance kind of have a side thing going. They got something going on. And John Saxon is supposed to be meeting Jane in this town square area, right in the middle of everything, like out in the open, open air, daylight, broad daylight. Tenebrae. It's a very bright film. After Suspiria and Inferno, which were both very like dark, dark shadowy movies with and certainly a lot of like colors in them, uh, a lot of colored filters and things like that going on. So, you know, very pretty to look at, but very dark movies. Tenebrae, very much the opposite other than the night scenes. This is a very like kind of bright movie. Lots of sun, Nicole. So in this town square, someone approaches John Saxon, the agent Bulmer, and sticks him right in the middle of everything. But no one seems to notice, Nicole. That's right. Nobody even notices it. No one notices. So Jane, being all freaked out... She actually calls Anne. Uh, I guess she's trying to get in touch with Peter. And Anne is like concerned about Jane because she's acting pretty weird. She's going to go like check on her. So... As Anne's in the process of going to check on Jane, this is where things start to get the false finishes. Yeah. Things start to get a little crazy and out of hand, Nicole. And I'm going to be somewhat cautious about how much we spoil yeah, because at this point. I, we shouldn't probably say anything more, actually. Because we said there are some false finishes. I will say that there is this, and I won't say what character it is. Someone gets their arm chopped off. At least like half their arm gets chopped off. And there's a white wall in this it's room. Pretty, it's pretty gross. And it is gruesome. Yeah, maybe one of the like most spectacular like blood spray scenes of all time. <laughs> because 
Yeah, the arm gets chopped off, and this character, like, kind of, like, aims their arm, then, at the wall. So, the person's basically just spraying their arm at the wall. Yeah. And it is uh, just, yeah, like, kind of, like, glorious violence, Nicole. Just, uh, just really special stuff, if you love bloody walls, I guess, Nicole. Well, yeah, and gosh, you know, we, we really can't. We really can't go on here. Um, you know, I know we spoiled, like, Deep Red, kind of. We didn't say anything in Deep Red about who did any of the killing or anything like that. We just spoiled kind of the gimmick. But with Tenebrae here, yeah, there there are, what, what, like three? Maybe like three false finishes? Something like that. There are at least two. But, uh, yeah, it, uh, yeah, things get, things get wild and they get bloody here at the end of this one, (laughs) Yeah. So Tenebrae... What are your feelings on this one, Nicole? Um, you want to amass it? You want to murder it? I'm going to amass this one. Yeah. I, too, will amass Tenebrae, Nicole. Okay. Or Unsane, even. <laughs> but mostly Tenebrae. Tenebrae. Uh, yeah, Tenebrae. this one is, you know, after after Deep Red is the giallo that most people really seem to get behind, Nicole. Okay. Uh, a lot of people really like this one. And as we were watching it this time... I feel like I was kind of like, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I like this one as much as I remember. But man, then it gets to that ending. And holy shit, Nicole. <laughs> it just is so good. I, so, yeah. I, I feel like the music is intense and it kept me... Goblin. Yeah, it kept me more alert. I see. Because I do feel kind of like it could be a slower... Could be a little slower. It's a little yeah. slower pace. It is a little bit more of a slow burn giallo here yeah. for Argento. Although people do get off. People get killed. Yeah, they yeah, get axes yeah. to the heads, things like action. that. I'm just saying that some Woman's of Woman's head goes through some glass. <laughs> obviously, I mean, that always happens. I'm not saying that we don't see the violence. I'm just saying the, the actual mystery right. is not re- like... It, it, it doesn't allude to the mystery as much. It's not quite as intriguing, perhaps, yeah. as you're going through it. Well, And I yeah. don't think the end result of the mystery is really detectable in the beginning right. of the movie. It's not a, you know, it's not an easy spot. Okay. All right. But yeah, Nicole, what a finale. So, two Argento protégés appear in this one. Lamberto Bava appears in the movie, the son of Mario Bava. And Michelle Suave also appears in the movie, Nicole. Huh. Yeah, just popping up here and there everywhere, Nicole. <laughs> so, yeah, Tenebrae, uh, definitely worth checking out. Uh, see if you can track it down. Give it a watch. Uh, you know, maybe not quite as good as Deep Red. Ah, we'll get back to that. We'll talk about that <laughs> at a later time uh, after we talk about the next movie, Nicole. I think you were giving away hints. Uh, nope, nope, nope. Not at all. Not at all. I'm worried that maybe we didn't do Tenebrae justice, Nicole, because like I don't know. I feel like we didn't. We just didn't do a very good job of building it up, and I don't know. Maybe we. 
I don't know. Maybe we let everybody down. (sighs) (laughs) Well, they'll just have to go watch it. Yeah, because I feel like, you know, a lot of the power of Tenebrae comes from the ending. Yeah. Don't you think? Absolutely. So I feel like, yeah, I I don't know. You're just going to have to watch it yourselves, listeners. (laughs) Yeah, and and it's not that the rest of the movie leading up to that is boring or anything. It's only, what, an hour and 41 minutes or something like that. So you're not spending, like, years watching this. But, yeah, I think that ending is so powerful, Nicole. We were talking, of course, about the video nasties. And I did neglect to mention that Inferno which we're not talking about, was a Section 2 video nasty. So it was not prosecuted, Nicole. It was one of the ones that (laughs) was, uh, yes, in trouble, but not actually prosecuted. All right, Nicole. So after Tenebrae, we go right into our next movie, Nicole, that we're going to cover. That means we're going to have to turn some pages in the notes here. And this one, Nicole, my goodness, the the art of the false finish, yeah. as we talked about, this one this really one. gets carried away, Nicole. So, so we, this this was my first Dario Argento movie that I ever that saw. That you ever saw, really? That I ever saw. Wow. Yep. What did do you remember what you thought of it at the time? I, I thought it was amazing. This movie is amazing. And also nuts, Nicole. Yes. So yeah, you know, we didn't want to spoil the endings of Deep Red, or we we kind of spoiled parts of Deep Red, but uh, we didn't want to spoil the ending of Tenebrae, but this one, Nicole, is so crazy. (laughs) We have to spoil it. We have to. It is crazy. So we're going to, we're going to let you know at the end, when we get close to the end, if we're about to spoil some things. So, you know, just uh, be careful. (laughs) If you don't want to ruin an absolutely bonkers movie for yourself... I just want to clarify, this viewing was not the first time I no, no. saw it. Right. I saw it in the 90s. You saw it before. Yeah. You saw it back when, probably when we first started dating. Probably before. like 95 or something like that. Woo! Yeah, something like that. All right, Nicole. So this movie is called what? Uh, phenomena. And Phenomena, not Phenomenon, that movie with John Travolta in it, also (laughs) from the 90s. No, this is, well, this isn't from the 90s, but uh, yeah, it's not that movie. Phenomena, Nicole. This one is from 1985, released in Italy, January 31st of 1985, and then later in the United States, August 2nd of 1985. This movie, Nicole, in the United States was called... Creepers. Creepers. Called Creepers right. instead of Phenomena. And, There's and kind of a reason for that. And that's why I, what, what name I first saw it under. Right. Yeah. Yes. I'm sure that that we both saw the cut version first uh, as Creepers. But then, of course, we've seen the uncut version since then because, yeah. And when I'm talking about cuts, I'm talking about the distributors again just slicing that up because it's, oh, this movie's too long. We've got to eliminate some of this boring stuff. We don't care about it. Uh, horror fans are dumb. They're not going to want to see this stuff. That's what the distributors think, Nicole. Horror fans That's are dumb. That's not true. It I is they, absolutely I true. I bet they all don't think that. Uh-huh. The movie is rated R, Nicole. It runs one hour and 56 minutes. According to IMDb, not only is this a horror mystery, but it's also a crime movie. Crime. <laughs> crime. It is, Nicole, believe it or not, directed 
by Dario Argento. Huh. <laughs> Interesting. That's weird that it would show up on this particular episode directed the by Dario Argento. Dungeons of Directors. Yeah, the Dungeons yeah. of Directors. Yes, for Dario. Uh, it is also written by Dario, but there's another writing credit as well going to Franco Farini, Nicole. Goblin returns on the soundtrack, of course. However, this was kind of in Dario's heavy metal phase. Yeah, heavy metal. So we do get Motorhead and Iron Maiden as well on the yeah, soundtrack. Yeah, we do. And I think there's someone else as well. Simon Boswell, I think, contributes to the soundtrack as well, if I recall correctly. Uh, all right. So, Nicole, what the hell is <laughs> Phenomena? Well, you have... Jennifer Connelly. Jennifer Connelly? Yeah. Okay. So that is a person who would be very familiar to most American listeners, I think. Yeah. Right. And you asked when we were watching this, did this come before or after Labyrinth? That's right. Because she was in Labyrinth. With David Bowie. And I guessed, I always just kind of thought this came after the success of Labyrinth. Incorrect. Common Craig. Hey. Okay. All right. So she started actually as a an extra in the Duran Duran music video. Uh, yeah. Union of the Snake. <laughs> In 1983, Nicole. And then she also appeared in Once Upon a Time in America in 1984, Nicole, which was directed by Sergio Leone. So I'm guessing that maybe Dario, because of the connection with Sergio, maybe Sergio says, oh man, this Jennifer Connelly is a fantastic young actor. Maybe you want to include her in some future film. Or maybe Dario just saw her in Once Upon a Time in America and said, she's the star of my next movie. That's right. She's it. So, Phenomena in 1985. And then she started in a movie called Seven Minutes to Heaven in 1986, Nicole. And then followed that up with Labyrinth. Also in 1986. So, essentially, Labyrinth was a year later. Yeah. But, yeah, I totally had that wrong. So, uh, she's she's got some movies under her belt. Before she'd she had a few Labyrinth. under her belt, sure. Yeah. So, she plays Jennifer Corvino. She, Jennifer plays Jennifer. That's right. That's right. That makes it very easy. That's, it, it's easy. Yes. So, basically, she goes to boarding school in Switzerland. Yeah, and she is the daughter of a famous Hollywood actor, Nicole, right? Yeah, who's in the uh, the the story here? Yeah, is Paul Corvino, right? And, yes, you know, she, but we never see him. We right? never see no, him. Never no, actually. but yeah, he's not in the movie. But that's why she's going to boarding school in Switzerland because he's away at shooting. Or he's something. away shooting yeah. in the Philippines or something. I think yeah. she says. Anyway, so yeah, the movie starts off with this. Sequence in Switzerland, very scenic. Yeah, it's, uh, it's actually really beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it and looks you, great. You can't the mountains and all the scenery are gorgeous. We've never been there, but boy, let me tell you, if any listeners are living there right now, I wonder if it looks that great where you I live. I don't know. Wow, but yeah, so this movie, I think Nicole could maybe be one of the most polarizing Dario Argento movies. I think. 
so many people are on one side of the fence and the other the other people are on the <laughs> other side. Like either like you love this thing because it's so crazy or you absolutely think it's just stupid. I Nicole. think you go into it thinking this is this is crazy. Just stupid. So you definitely it requires a little bit more suspension of disbelief, Nicole, because yeah. this is in kind of the Giallo framework again. But there are definitely a lot more supernatural elements yeah. that work their way in, Nicole. There's this young woman here in the Swiss Alps, I'm assuming here, Nicole, and is some sort of a student or something, like maybe on a tour, misses the bus, though. She misses the bus back. Do you remember yeah, this? Yeah, she misses the bus. This is how the movie begins. And there is this like a beautiful crane shot of like the the scenery around yeah. the area so you get to take a look at uh, how beautiful everything is like we said she finds this house after missing the bus and just goes right in because that's what you do when you need help you're you miss the bus you just go into <laughs> random houses right i don't know it seems to me that you probably shouldn't you think that's a bad idea that? i don't yeah okay. i think that's a bad idea well I don't know. So she's getting into the house. She's going into the house. And we see, without seeing what or who it is, someone yanking on some chains like they're chained to a wall. Yeah. Not Sloth and the Goonies. That uh, <laughs> That's right around the same time, but totally different character, Nicole. But chained to the wall and finally rips the chains out of the wall and then is free to pursue this young woman, right. Nicole. Yeah. The first victim, Vera Brandt, played by Fiore Argento, huh. who is also a daughter of Dario Argento, not Asia Argento, Fiore Fior. Argento, and not the daughter of Daria Nicolotti. Right. A different mother, Nicole. So, yes, yeah, so she is the first victim, like I said, in this movie. And what happens, Nicole? Do you remember? So she gets chased and she goes to this, I don't know, it's like a scenic overlook. Mm -hmm. And in classic, a waterfall. Waterfall. classic Dario fashion, right here at the beginning of the Threat movie. Threat her signature, he gets it out of the way very that's quickly. Right. Get head, woman's head through glass. <laughs> through glass. Yeah, there's like a glass like viewing portal yeah. uh, at the waterfall. And yep, that's what happens. Right through it. Gets stabbed and right through, Nicole. Right through. She actually <laughs> gets stabbed in the hand with some scissors. And then like, and that's not funny, Nicole. I don't know why I'm laughing at that. But then, yeah, you said, you know, pursued in this observation glass. And it gets this... There's this very dramatic slow motion sequence yeah. when her head's going through and the glass is falling. So we're, this is Dr. Glass, we're assuming. It's not a real person being subjected to real glass. So some sort of like, uh, you know, Hollywood glass yeah. falling down. And like it actually like hits her, you know, in slow motion, like on the face and neck. And it's, you know, a cool, morbid visual. But Nicole, this unseen person, then decapitates her and her head goes falling down the waterfall and into the you know like river creek stream, stream below, below. Yeah. yes so a very a very satisfying horror opening nicole i think don't you <laughs> i mean if yeah i mean if you're not this victim if you're know. not the victim if you're a fan of horror yeah yes <laughs> right so you know who else is in this movie, Nicole? Who? Donald Pleasance. Yeah. Yeah. But he is not pursuing Michael Myers no, in no. this movie, Nicole. No. So Donald Pleasance plays the character 
Professor John McGregor. And he has this little interview with some police officers. Yeah. He's, in, he's a, a, assisting. He's an entomologist. Assisting in an investigation. He helps the police find bodies and he tells them, like, you know, do, because of science, he knows all this stuff. Because of science, yeah. yeah. He, he, yeah, can tell them what kind of larva is on the head and basically how long they've been there and yeah. how long the body has been dead based on the type of larva that are crawling around on it. And they've got it in this little box on yeah. his desk, essentially. Yeah. And Donald, uh, well, John, he has a a chimpanzee that lives with yeah. him. And Donald Pleasance is in a wheelchair in the movie. And this chimp, Inga, helps him out around the house. Yeah. He's got a little laser pointer and he points it to something. And Inga's like, okay, I'll, okay. Go, I'll go do that. And he says in the movie, he's like, so whatever I point this at, Inga remembers forever. Exactly. Remembers it forever, Nicole. One of the police guys here is Patrick Boschow. Playing Inspector Rudolph Geiger. But his assistant, Nicole, again, is Michelle Suave. <laughs> who we've mentioned multiple times, is a protege of Dario Argento. Yes. 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 All right. And goes on to direct other things that we've covered in the past on our 80s, like, Splatterfest. What did yeah. we call that episode? Uh, we talked about Demons, Demons 2. Those are actually <laughs> Lumberto Bava movies. But the third one, The Church... Michelle Suave. We also talked. We also talked about uh, Cemetery Man, which he directed at one point uh, as well in one of our A to Z of horror festivals. Nicole. Yeah. So, uh, so yes, he talks to uh, talks to what's going on here with the police and everything. And then we got to cut away. We got to go to a different scene. Going back to Jennifer Connelly. And, with, and she goes and she goes to school, like I said, at this boarding school. She's going to a girls' school? Yeah. This boarding school. Yeah. Okay. And so, guess who's a teacher there? Yeah, she's riding in a cab on the way there with two? Daria. Daria Nicolodi is there. Yeah. Playing Frau Bruckner. And there's a little bee that comes in the window, a hornet or something. Oh, yeah. A bee flies in. And uh, Daria Bruckner starts freaking out, Nicole. Freaking out. Freaking out. Like, oh, you know, and... and um, it's a bee! Yeah! And, Which is what I would do in, yeah, the, in the cab, right? Yeah, you're afraid of bees. I'd be freaking out Jennifer's there. just like holds her hand out and it lights yeah, and it on it lands her. on her. It lights. It lands on her and she starts petting it a little bit. And she says, I love them. Yeah. I love insects. What is your problem? What's your problem? Bruckner. So she ends up meeting her roommate and also the headmistress at the school who's played by D uh, Dalila DeLazaro. That's the headmistress. And then meets her roommate Sophie, who's played by Federica Mastroianni. So they get along pretty good. They, yeah, it seems like they hit it off pretty yeah, well. I don't think that you could ask for like, you know, or I'm certain you could get worse roommates than that. Oh, sure. Probably yeah. so. There's got to be somebody else there that's worse yeah. than Sophie. Well, she, they start talking about Paul Corvino because Jennifer has these posters of Paul Corvino that she's like yeah. pulling out of her bag and she's going to hang one up. And Sophie, like they get to the point where Jennifer reveals that, you know, she knows him personally. Yeah. And she says, have you been to bed with him? Sophie, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. And because she's yeah. very attracted to Paul yeah. Corvino. And Jennifer says, he's, no, no, he's, he's my, my father. father. Like, oh, oh, that's weird. Never mind. It's kind of funny, Nicole. <laughs> yes. Well, anyway, during the night, 
uh, Jennifer, like, starts sleepwalking. She does have these sleepwalking spells, yeah. Nicole. So, and she didn't think to tell anybody that she sleptwalked before. I, I think, it, yeah, she said it hadn't happened for a very long time. She talks about that with uh, John McGregor, who she meets at one point later on. About how she hadn't slept walk for a really long time. Yeah. And, and yeah, suddenly she's doing it again. It slept walked. Is that right? Slept walked? I don't know. Anyway. Walked in so, her sleep. <laughs> yes. She hadn't done it for a long time. So yeah, I don't know, Nicole. Um, so she does sleepwalk and she's in the woods and Inga finds her and takes her home. That's how she meets John. That's right. But prior to that, Nicole, she does have... A few dreams about a murderer, Nicole, with this like extending pole thing that has a blade on the end. So this happens a couple times and she ends up uh, having this dream about this murderer, Nicole. But then, yeah, she almost gets hit by that car and those guys pick her up. And I don't know what those guys, these like guys in their late teens or early 20s or something, what their plans are with her, because she's really out of it from being sleepwalking yeah. and then, like, found in the middle of the road, almost crushed by their car. And they put her in the in the car with them, and she's trying to get out, and they're trying to keep her in. And, and it's kind of weird, Nicole. I hope they weren't thinking of anything nefarious. I but so, too. But she ends up flying out of the car, and then, yes, Inga that's finds her, Inga brings her. her to Donald, John McGregor. And that's where it's discovered by John McGregor that... The insects that he has in his home, because he's an entomologist, right? they really seem to like her. They get all excited when she's in there. Very strange, Nicole. Very strange. Ooh. Ooh. (laughs) Supernatural bugs that like Jennifer Connelly. That's right. They, They love her. So at school, things aren't going that well for Jennifer. She's kind of a... She's kind of an outcast. Kind of an outcast. A little bit. He's kind of labeled as kind of a weirdo, I think. Uh, they start doing like a, maybe like a, an EKG, an EEG, something. Doing some yeah. sort of a test on her to see what's going on with her because of this whole sleepwalking incident and everything that's going on with that, Nicole. Sophie sneaks out at night, Nicole, yeah. to meet her boyfriend who's traveled this great distance. And Nicole made a joke in the, uh, while we were watching it that... Uh, Sophie doesn't even seem to appreciate how far he traveled to come and see her. Yeah, I mean, it was like... Kind of rude, It was kind of rude. I was like, well, he traveled all that way to come see her, and and she wasn't even really, like, that, like... She wasn't very appreciative. She wasn't that pleased that he did that for her. Yeah. Sophie, unfortunately, when she's out and about in the night, the murderer gets to Sophie. But Jennifer... Begins another instance of sleepwalking, Nicole. And this time, a firefly leads Jennifer to a glove. That's right. Hanging from a tree that apparently belonged. To the killer. To the killer. Because it did have a maggot. It had some maggots it. In does it does have maggots so on there's it, Nicole. A, there's a, this movie does have quite a few maggots in it. It does. You oh, don't, quite a few. Uh, <laughs> a if lot. You, if you get grossed out by the maggots... <laughs> Yeah, it's there's not, a lot here not for you. I happen to not. I happen to be okay. With you love maggots. You said like several episodes <laughs> ago. Like maggots are your favorite thing, and I don't really know where that comes from. I never would have guessed it because Nicole and like worms, like she earthworms. Hates worms. I can't do an earthworm. But no, maggots are fine. But... She'll put them right in her mouth. No big hey. deal, Nicole. So the maggots on the glove show Jennifer 
what happened to Sophie. That's right. And it's weird. Like they, they give her like this vision. They communicate with her. Yeah. yeah. Uh, very strange, Nicole. So that's where the, some of the more supernatural elements are coming into play because, yeah, she's like, I think they gave me a vision. Yeah. Very strange. she's telling this to John, you know, McGregor. John McGregor, so it's yeah. okay. Right. But because she's an outcast at the school, she goes back to the school and the teacher and students are really nosy. Just like they're, nosing they're into her business. Mean, and, too. And yeah, nasty. Just kind of nasty to her and making fun of her about this whole insect connection thing. But suddenly, Nicole, suddenly, swarms of flies... Arrive at the school, swarming the exterior of the school. They're all of the windows yeah. everywhere. And it, it gets a little crazy. Yeah, it gets a little crazy. And the students are now kind of like, whoa. Yeah. And Maybe Jennifer's, I shouldn't have made fun of Jennifer. Yeah, she's talking to the flies, telling them that she loves them, Nicole. She loves the flies. <laughs> well, apparently something like six million actual flies were used. For some of these exterior shots. And some of it is like special effects. But there are many, many, apparently 6 million real flies as well, Nicole. I'm sure that like wherever this was shot really appreciated that influx of flies. All of those flies. flies. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Oh, man. So after this, even one of the teachers, Nicole, suggests that Jennifer may be Beelzebub. The Lord of the Flies, Nicole. And then says, Lady of the Flies. Lady. Uh-huh. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So, we get to uh, you know, a portion of the movie where the entomology again comes into play. John wants to use this great sarcophagus fly, Nicole. A flesh fly, fl- I guess yeah. is another name for it. Uh, larva was found in that glove that Jennifer found. Right. After Sophie so, died. So John's thinking that the killer likes to keep keeps the trophies. Yeah, right, yeah. keep some trophies. So perhaps this great sarcophagus fly, which is a real fly. I had to look it up because I'd never looked it up before. Real deal, well, Nicole. And, and it can communicate with Jennifer. So yes. They're and can use, lead her yeah. to at least an area where. The killer may be operating is yeah. the idea. So she's kind of put into danger here a little bit by John. Yeah. I don't know if this is the safest thing, Nicole. I don't know. Well, he's he's blinded by science. Blinded by science, you're right. He's got to figure out what's happening here. So blinded by science. I like that, Nicole. That's very good. She's led to, of course, that house that we saw at the beginning of the movie, Nicole. And she doesn't find anything on this occasion because doesn't someone catch her? I think the police show up. The police show up. There's also like a caretaker there, a, a realtor or something, that is trying to sell the house. And I think, yeah, either the police or this guy catches her. And basically runs her out of the house, Nicole. Right. Inga, Nicole, Inga the chimpanzee, inadvertently allows the killer to enter the home of John McGregor. And I guess John McGregor is now like, you know, he's got to be bumped off because he knows too much and he's he's doing too well trying to figure out what's happening here. 
in this giallo mystery, Nicole. Right, because Inga likes to go outside. Inga does sneak outside she pretty sneak, often. She sneaks outside and she just likes to be outside. I mean, she is a chimpanzee. Chimpanzee, yeah. yeah. And Inga is outside witnessing the murder of John, right, Nicole, in right. the house. But she can't get in. And she is pissed, Nicole. She's locked out and she is not happy about it. So when the killer leaves, Inga jumps on the car. Well, it's like one of but, those action you know, movies. But John, but John had his laser pointer and he pointed it at, at the killer. killer. That's right. true. So, yeah, Inga leaps onto the car. And it's like an action movie where like the hero's like hanging onto the top right, of the car. Right. So Inga is that action she hero. Is like yes. the action hero. Absolutely. For sure. Hanging onto the top of the car, trying to get at the killer, but then ends up getting like dumped off the car, yeah. unfortunately. And now there's this scene where Inga is homeless. She's just a homeless. Yeah, chimpanzee. she's homeless, <laughs> so and she's sad. wandering around this park. Yeah, and she's looking for food and eating out of the trash and it's can. It's heartbreaking. So sad. But then finds a straight razor, Nicole, a razor blade yes. in the trash as well. And I think Inga's going to keep that. Yeah. Well, Jennifer wants to go home, Nicole, at this point. That's right. She's like, I'm getting out of here. She's getting out of here. These people are not treating her well. She's trying to contact her father's agent, Morris, played by Mario Donatone. And, yeah, she she wants to get out of there. Well, Daria, Frau Bruckner, comes up to basically tell her, Okay, look, uh, we've got plans for you to go home. Yeah. Your agent has scheduled a flight, but it's not until tomorrow. Yeah. And Jennifer does not want to go back to the school, refusing to return to the school, Nicole. I'm not going back there. Forget it. And Frau Bruckner brings her to her home. Yeah. And it's kind of a strange situation. All of the mirrors are covered in the house. Yeah. And Jennifer asks about it, like, what and this is where the movie starts to get a little oh, fucked up, Nicole. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so. Because, and Frau Bruckner, she's just very straight-laced, and her hair's pinned back. She's very mm-hmm. neat, and like, you know, like, you know, just real straight. She's Seems real very, straight-laced. very straight-laced, Nicole. Yeah. <laughs> so, these mirrors are all covered up in the home. Jennifer asks about it, and apparently, Frau Bruckner has a son. Yeah. And he has... Some sort of a some sort of a sickness, some sort of an illness, Nicole. So he she doesn't want him to see his reflection in the mirrors. And she says at one point that he just sits in his room with his crazy thoughts. That's right. And at this point, Frau Bruckner, the whole straight laced, that's starting to come a little unraveled. Right, Nicole, right. Because she starts acting a little nuts. She's and, and her hair falls down and Getting a little crazy. Getting a little crazy. Yeah. And Jennifer starts to like have like these minor physical altercations with her. Yeah. Like she wants to go to the bathroom by herself and close the door. Yeah. And Frau Bruckner is a little reluctant to allow her to do that. Yeah. So Jennifer just pushes her out of the way and goes into the bathroom. But doesn't like, doesn't Frau Bruckner try to give her some medicine? She does. She does give her some medicine. And Jennifer takes it in the bathroom. Jennifer does take it by by then. do it. But by then you're like, "Mm, you shouldn't take anything this lady wants to do. No, absolutely not. Why are you taking this medication? She's uh, become very odd, Nicole. So Jennifer in the bathroom then starts to feel a little sick. And ends up 
puking up the medicine. Yeah. She's trying to, you know, gag herself and cough it back up. Yeah. And Bruckner, of course, is trying to listen in and hear what's going on. <laughs> well, while this is all happening, Jennifer finds some maggots. Yeah. In the bathroom, on the bathroom soap, on a towel, in the tub. Right. So there's so, like, and you're like, the maggots on the soap. I didn't like that, actually. Because like, soap is supposed to be clean. That's right. Home. Yeah, you're not supposed to find maggots. If they're on the tower in the tub, though, that's fine. <laughs> you get in the tub with them. No big deal. Come on. Just jump in the tub with those I maggots. I am not. I'm not going to do that. But I'm just saying, just sweep them out of the way. While this is happening, I believe, Nicole, <laughs> things are getting a little crazy. A police officer shows up at the house, and it's Rudolph Geiger, who we mentioned earlier, the inspector, shows up at the house, and he's trying to figure out uh, what's going on here. Hey, what uh, uh, what's this Bruckner connection with uh, Jennifer and all of this stuff with the murder and John McGregor? Right, right. There's when some the, kind like, of connection here that he figures like, out. Where did you live before? Uh-huh. And he's kind of... You think he's kind of putting two and two together. He's trying to piece some things together here. And then we cut back to Jennifer and we hear Geiger scream off camera, Nicole. Yeah. Yeah. Jennifer gets out of the bathroom. She ends up getting whacked. She gets whacked and uh, knocked out at one point too. But then, uh, and there are more maggots on the floor then when she wakes up. But yeah, she gets uh, this... She's locked in a room and she's trying to get like to the phone, yeah. which is in like the next room. And she's using this kind of like pole or cane kind of thing to try to like grab it and bring it up through this little window above the door between the rooms. And Well, anyway, she drops the phone down this hole. Yeah, there's some and hole there's in some the floor big in that room. Hole. Yeah. And where does this little hole tunnel go? Well,. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're going to find out yeah. because she ends up getting into that room. Does she? I guess she just climbs through that she window. She climbs through the window. But I think we need to backtrack. What do we got to backtrack? I think we missed the part where she does see the little boy. Oh. She sees Bruckner's son. She does. <laughs> she does see uh, the boy uh, in in a room, Nicole. You're and right. He's, he is crying and he's in the corner. Right. Yeah. He's crying in the corner, yeah. and she tries to console him. Yeah. And then he spins around, and his face is somewhat unpleasant by traditional standards, Nicole. Right. So he has some deformity. Yes. And um, we don't know if he is crazed like uh, Frau is saying. He, yeah, he doesn't seem that nice. It seems like he might be sitting in that room with his crazy thoughts, like okay. his mother said. Okay. <laughs> but you're right. We don't really know we exactly. don't really know. Don't really know exactly what's going on. There's a scene earlier, too, when they first get to the house. And Jennifer goes into this room. And there's like this, uh, a figure facing a wall. And <laughs> she thinks that this is... Bruckner's son. Right. And like goes over to it and maybe like touches it or something and it falls over and like hits its head. Well, Bruckner goes over and picks it up and it's a doll. It's yeah. just like a, uh, a child-sized mannequin or yeah. something. Picks it up by like an arm and kind of flails it around and says, did you think this is my son? And that's when, you know, we start to see that she's pretty unhinged herself too. <laughs> so yeah, some weird things with the uh, the son and, and then the actual son, not the doll son. 
Oh, wow, Nicole. But yeah, so Jennifer has to get into that other room, crawl down that whole tunnel to try to get the phone, but she keeps going? I don't no, remember how I, she gets in there. I think, didn't she get a maggot on her hand? Something. Yeah, yeah. something like that. And Maggot on her hand, I don't know. So she keeps going. So as she's getting toward the end of the tunnel, Inspector Geiger is chained down in this dungeon area or something and grabs her and it scares Jennifer. She ends up falling into this pit. This is gross. And what is in this pit, Nicole? A watery pit. It's like a water pit full of body parts and maggots. Body parts and maggots. Yeah, it is disgusting, It is disgusting. Nobody would ever want to um, touch the water, much much less fall in. Right. You don't want to fall into this watery maggot pit, Nicole. (laughs) And bodies, dead bodies. Yes, dead bodies. Dead bodies, not just the maggots. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if it was just the maggots, Nicole would hop right Come in. No big deal. But the bodies, no. Bruckner shows up while Jennifer yeah. is in the pit of maggots, and Geiger is chained to the wall. She comes in laughing hysterically. Nicole. Yes. Fucking <laughs> bitch. <laughs> so this is the point I would say, listeners, where we're gonna start talking about some of these false finishes. And maybe you want to tune out if you don't want any spoilers. That's right. But if you're planning on watching this movie, um, stop. If you want to hear about the madness here, just keep listening. So it's up to you how you decide to proceed. Well, Geiger breaks free of his chains because he uses the tactic where he smashes his hand, breaks his thumb, thumb. so he can get out of the like cuff. You know, that's uh, attached to him, right? So, he kills Bruckner. Bruckner's dead. Bruckner is dead. Jennifer gets out of the pit of maggots, runs. And this is actually where she finds the son, Nicole, and sees that he's a monster. (laughs) He's even got maggots on his face. You know, we said that he's, you know, he's got some deformities, and that's unfortunate. But he does have maggots on his face, too. So... She's escaping from him now. And we, I guess, I don't know if he knows his mother is dead or if he's just been sitting in his room with his crazy thoughts. Yeah. And yes, she ends up running to a boat. There's a lake. She's going to get in the boat. Jennifer gets in the boat, Nicole. And then this boy gets in the boat too, like swims out and gets in the boat. (laughs) And the boy... Has a blade. This is kind of like a little Jason Voorhees, Nicole. Got a blade in the boat. They're like swimming underwater at one point. He's grabbing at her. The the boat was encircled with flames. Do you remember that? There's a fiery inferno in the water surrounding the boat. It just goes crazy. Oh my God. Everything. Let's just throw everything out there. And that's what we said when we were watching it. Like, Dario's just like throwing everything. He's like, should this be the end? No, let's do this too. And he's just like piling on all these (laughs) crazy, crazy ideas. It's absolutely nuts. So. The flies that Jennifer summons the flies, or the flies sense that, that Jennifer's in, in danger. Yeah. So the flies, those six million flies that were at the school, now they're coming here. They're like, okay, let's go to this lake. So they all arrive at this lake, Nicole, and they start eating the child. They're <laughs> eating him, Nicole. And he's like, 
peeling at his face too, so like chunks yes. of his face coming off. Maybe an eyeball comes out at one point. I don't know, Nicole. It is bad news. So, yeah, this is when the boat explodes, Nicole. She starts swimming, and of course, the monster boy is still not dead. Yes. So, yes, that's when, you know, she's uh, there's another like jump scare under the water yeah. because, yes, the boy is still pursuing her. She ends up escaping, but the agent, Morris, shows up. Somehow, Morris Shapiro knows where Jennifer yes. is, staying with Frau Bruckner. Bruckner gave him her address. I don't know. But he shows up, and she's like, oh, Morris. Oh, finally. You know, everything's going to yeah. be fine. Nope, because Frau Bruckner comes <laughs> back to life with some sort of like a... Looks it, like a sheet of metal like or tin or something. Tin. Yes. Decapitates Morris. Yes. So Morris is done. Brechter tries to then decapitate Jennifer, holding that metal sheet yes. down across her throat. She's starting to get a little bloody, Nicole, like yeah. the poster of Tenebrae. Yeah. So you know what they would do in the UK? They, they would put, put a, a ribbon, ribbon on. put a ribbon around her throat. <laughs> yes. Well, then you think Jennifer is about to get it, Nicole. Jennifer is about to get it, but what? happens nicole as the final element the here. final final scene that ends it all this is a big spoiler <laughs> huge spoiler are you sure you want to hear this you listener? sure turn it off right now if you don't want to hear it inga with her switchblade <laughs> comes and kills is it the straight razor nicole the straight razor yes Ingo shows up here to get ultimate revenge right. for the death of John McGregor. Because she remembers because he put that laser, that, the laser pointer on her. Yeah, this is the killer. Inga, go get her. That's right. So yeah, death Inga starts chopping away at uh, yeah. Bruckner with the razor. And then Inga, after Bruckner's dead, of course, for real this time. Throws the blade away, tosses it away. That's right. She's, she's done, done with the killing. She's done with killing. No more killing for Inga. That's right. Good. She's uh, had her ultimate revenge, and it's all over, Nicole. <laughs> this, this movie is absolutely insane. One of my favorite uh, Argentos, just because of how nuts it that is. Nuts. I love I, that ending I so much. I do like it because there is a lot of heavy metal playing throughout yeah, the yeah, movie. Yeah. And uh, But I do think that Inga is so sad. I oh, just feel yeah, like that's so sad. It's such a sad scenario for I know. Inga. But I guess, you know, she's she's going to be fine with Jennifer at the end of the movie, right? right? She's going to be fine. Well, apparently on on the set, their relationship wasn't that great. So with early Inga? on, yeah, Inga and Jennifer Connelly, oh. early on in the movie, uh, apparently like during one of the scenes, Inga bit her. Really? And then later on, actually bit off part of one of her fingers and they had to like, Try to emergency reattach it. <laughs> so Inga and Jennifer Connelly, maybe a little bit of like female rivalry or something going <laughs> Some on. Jealousy going I'm not on. sure what was going on, but yeah, they did not get along on set, Nicole. That's funny. Yeah. I mean, my brother had hedge trimmers and cut the tip of my finger off. That was like a sibling rivalry. I know. But yeah. He you know. your brother is not a chimpanzee. <laughs> So, like he knew better. He I should mean. have known better. That's right. Well, Nicole, phenomena. 
I I clearly am going to amass the movie. It is absolutely batshit insane, Nicole. What are you going to do? Well, I love this movie. Okay. I, I do. And it is, I, I think it's a tremendous amount of fun. You're going to amass it as well. So, listeners, we encourage you, if you've just heard all of the spoilers... Yeah. Seek it out, and ju- you and got if, you got to see it to believe. And we it. didn't do it justice. No, I'm, I'm sure just we did. We no. did not. I mean, but yeah, you absolutely have to see this to believe it. It right. is like so insane. Uh, the finale. Yeah. Uh, the this last time we watched it, I was just laughing like crazy. Uh, I, I hadn't seen it for a while. I've been saving up for <laughs> talking about it on the podcast, so I hadn't watched it for a while. And man, it is just uh, so much fun, Nicole. So much fun. Okay, Nicole, the spoilers are over, at least for now. But I know you think, oh, it's time for the regular closing. No, no, we still have to finish up the Dungeon of Directors. Dario Argento in the Dungeon of Directors before we can lock him back up in there. So after Phenomena, Nicole, Dario, this is when he helps out in writing and I'm probably producing as well. I don't remember if he gets a producer credit uh, on the Demons and Demons 2 movies that, like we said, Lamberto Bava uh, directed Demons and Demons 2. And Lamberto is the son of Mario Bava. Right. So this is all just coming full circle here with the Bava right. family and Dario Argento, Nicole. Well, those were in 85 and 86. Yes, Nicole. And we talk about those, like I said, in our 80s Splatter Party episode. So go look at that one in the archives, listeners, because it's a lot of fun. So after that, Dario Argento returns with opera. Like we said uh, earlier at some point in the episode here, I originally saw it on VHS as Terror at the Opera. And it, too, was one of those ones where, like, man, this is kind of of an intriguing movie. I should, you know... uh, Keep this one in mind for the future as one to watch again. And, of course, now we just own it, Nicole, as opera. Certainly. Ugh, goodness. Well, he did Two Evil Eyes, which is a two-story anthology, a team-up with George Romero, where he directs Harvey Keitel, 
one of my personal favorites, Nicole, <laughs> in the second story in the anthology, which is an adaptation of uh, Edgar Allan Poe's The Black Cat. Right. He then does Trauma, which is a, and uh, Two Evil Eyes was in 1990, Opera was in 87, Trauma is in 93. Trauma is kind of more of a throwback to a regular giallo again. And then in 1996, he does With His Daughter. And, and Asya had appeared in a couple of other movies that he had done prior to this one. But this one, she's in the main role, Nicole. She's the protagonist of The Stendhal Syndrome in 1996. Do you remember that yeah. title? Yeah, I do. He then does his version of The Phantom of the Opera in 1998, which most people think is a little bit disappointing. And this is kind of the period where most people, fans, critics alike, all kind of think that, unfortunately, Dario's career takes a little bit of a downturn, uh, just not quite to the quality where he once was. He does a movie called Sleepless in 2001, which is not that bad, if I remember correctly. Uh, the Card Player in 2003, which I think is pretty forgettable. A television movie in Italy called Do You Like Hitchcock in 2005. He did a couple of episodes of the Masters of Horror television series, Jennifer in season one, that was in uh, 2005, and then an episode called Pelts in season two, which was in 2006. He then finally gets back to doing a wrap-up to his Suspiria Three Mothers trilogy. Yeah, Three Mothers, yeah. With The Mother of Tears in 2007, which is the beginning of where I stopped watching his movies, Nicole. I've never seen that one. I also have not seen Giallo in 2009. I have not seen Dracula 3D in 2012 and then most recently he directed a movie called dark glasses in 2022 nicole so at that point like with the mother of tears i was just afraid to watch it yeah because i had seen some of the other you ones you don't want and it, it to color like, your dario yeah you like, know like the quality experience. had fallen off and and you know i feel like i've kind of held this against dario uh, his earlier movies because of how he's kind of fallen off a little bit as far as quality goes. But, you know, he's not the only director that this has happened to. Sometimes, and not even just directors, like, you know, actors yeah, do this, yeah, uh, sure. writers do this, musicians do this, artists, this happens to artists sometimes. They just can't quite get to that level where they were before. And hopefully, you know, maybe he'll still have, he's still like got a really good one up his sleeve. We'll see at this point. But yeah, at that point, I was just kind of afraid to like mess it, up my love of Suspiria. Yeah, he's 82. Well, yeah. he can retire if he wants to. Yeah, he could I just mean, retire yeah. if he wants to. But I guess he, you know, he enjoys making movies, okay. Nicole. That's, uh, that's one of the things we learn if we watch the documentary, Dario Argento's World of Horror, is that... He makes movies, Nicole, because he wants to he be loved. Wants to he wants know. to be loved. And specifically by the audience, he yeah. wants to be loved. He wants the audience to really be into what he's doing, Nicole. So, yeah, I, I didn't want the Mother of Tears to somehow dampen my appreciation of Suspiria somehow. So I just have never watched, watched it. it. Yeah, I'm afraid to watch it. Maybe I will at some point. Uh, there's also a store, Nicole, in Rome called Profondo Rosso. <laughs> 
And apparently in the basement of the store is a lot of like uh, things, props, things from Dario's movies. Okay. And I guess he is like a part owner of the store. Uh, I believe it is Luigi Cosi who kind of runs the store, who is someone who has directed some movies too. I hope I don't have the wrong person, but I guess he runs the store, but he's directed uh, some movies uh, that uh, Dario has had some minor involvement in. Uh, kind of a protege, too, of Dario Argento. Sure. And, yeah, so it's in Rome. If you want to go to Profondo Rosso, it appears that it is still there physically, I guess. There's definitely a website still active because I looked it up the other night. So that's still there, Nicole, if you want to go. Do you want to go? I, I want to go to the house. Let's go to Rome. Villa we'll go Scott. to Turin. We'll see the, the home. We'll see that house. Yeah. And we'll see... Uh, Profondo Rosa, the store, Nicole. Well, this is something that I was checking on Wikipedia, and I had no idea that this is uh, something that happened or if it's even true, but apparently Dario is listed as a contributor to the video game Dead Space in 2008, uh, I guess involved in like the, uh, just contributed to the the development. Yeah, maybe story ideas or something. Uh, But apparently also... Did the dubbing uh, the in the Italian version? So he did like the Italian language voice of a character, uh, Doctor Kine, who appears uh, in the game. Nicole, uh, I have not played Dead Space. Actually, Matt from Iowa has told me numerous times that I should play it, and I have it. I just haven't played it, Nicole. Okay. So someday well, I should get around. You know, to that. if you have it, what's stopping you? I know what's stopping me, Nicole. What's stopping me? What's stopping you? Uh, let's play it right now. I don't want to. Oh, okay. He <laughs> <laughs> you know what to. Uh, yeah. All right, Nicole. So I guess that's about it. So I would I would say, you know, for me that, especially watching these three movies, like Dario Argento, I, I, it's nice to revisit these because I do remember how much I love his movies. Yeah. You know, I can I forget agree. about some of those later ones that I haven't seen or some of the ones that I just wasn't that impressed with later on and revisit some of these and think about just how fantastic they are. They're pretty good. <laughs> I was having trouble, like you said, I was supposed to pick which one my was my yeah. favorite. So let's say out of these three, Nicole, just these three... In Giallo January, yeah. here as part of the Dario Argento dungeon of directors, Nicole. Deep Red, Tenebrae, Phenomena. Could you rank them? So I was having trouble, like, so when going into this, knowing I'm like, oh, it's blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You know, because I hadn't seen them in a while. But now, like, after watching, you know, it's even harder. It's kind of hard. Yeah. I'm gonna say Tenebrae is number three. That's number three. I'm okay. gonna say Tenebrae is number three. Now this is where it's hard for me because Phenomena and Deep Red are really good. I mean, Tenebrae is good too, but yes, I I um in the beginning I was thinking, oh, it's Phenomena. Hands down, number one. But then after watching Deep Red, I'm like, I don't really like that. So, I don't know if I have to stick with my guns and just say Phenomena, Deep Red, Tenebrae. I think that's what I'm sticking with. 
Phenomena, deep red, tenebrae. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you, you finally came to that conclusion. That's good. Just right then. And it, like, was, it was off the cuff. I, You know, for me, I don't know. And it, I feel bad about doing this, but it seems like the exact way that, like, you know, critics would decide in favor. But, like, I think it really is probably Deep Red, Tenebrae, Phenomena well, in I that think, order. I but think Deep Red is the better movie, like, yeah. technically and sure. stuff. Sure, yeah. But Phenomena is just so crazy. Yeah, it's so crazy. And that's that's the thing about it is I was going to say that that might be the one that I've seen the most yeah. out of these three just my, because it's, it's, it's been, so much fun to watch. It's the mine, too. So if you're looking for ones that are the most fun to watch... Yeah, I don't it's, know. For me, tenebrae. it might be the reverse. Oh, I might go. I might go. Phenomena, Tenebrae, Deep Red, uh, just out of a fun factor. A fun but, factor. Uh, yeah, you know, I don't know. It's uh, it's hard to say, Nicole. Hard to say. It's uh, so you all, agree with me for fun factor. Fun factor or pretty close. I had you had Deep Red and Tenebrae swapped uh, from where I did in fun factor. Oh. Oh. <laughs> now you're upset. All right, Nicole. So we've talked enough about uh, Dario, I guess. Uh, Listeners, if you're interested in the documentaries that I watched about Jallos, maybe you want to see if you can track them down. One of them was released by Severin, and you can find it on some streaming services. Uh, Maybe Shudder. I'm not sure. Just take a look for it. It's called All the Colors of Jallo. And then... The other one I watched was an extra. It was like a bonus feature on Synapse Films on their release of Tenebrae. And it is called, uh, it's kind of an unfortunate title. Uh, The title is Yellow Fever. And I get it, like Giallo is yellow, but I don't know, Yellow Fever, it seems to have these maybe other connotations that maybe aren't (laughs) as pleasant. So I'm not that crazy about that title. I like the other title better. But they're both very interesting documentaries and they have different directors on there talking and they all seem to have like these italian directors they have kind of a bit of a rivalry with each other it seems like dario not so much he's not really talking about the other guys i don't think very much but like umberto lenzi is on uh, both of the documentaries, in fact, and so is Dario. Uh, but on one of them, maybe it's Yellow Fever, uh, Umberto's kind of like taking some shots at Dario, saying like, oh, my jellos are much better than his. They're much better. And I, I, I don't agree with that, but I'm glad that Umberto is proud of his work. He's proud of his work. That's fine. <laughs> and some of his are fine as well, Nicole. But I still don't think they're quite as good as... Like Deep Red, for instance. Or The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. No. All right. So those two you can check out if you're interested in learning more about the Jallo, Nicole. Okay. What other Jallos have I watched this month? Not many. I think the only one I've seen so far is Torso, which is a Sergio... Is it Sergio Martino? I think so. I think it's one of his. Anyway, that's the only other one I've watched so far. But I'd like to get in maybe one or two more. We'll see. Not with you, Nicole. On my own. I'm going to watch them on my own. Don't worry. Because I just saw you looking at the date and the clock. And you're like, I'm not watching these tonight, Craig. Yeah, yeah. No, Nicole. That's not what I mean. I'm just going to watch them after you go to bed, Nicole. Oh, boy. We did watch a horror today, Nicole. We watched a horror. What horror did we watch? Smile. Smile. We did watch Smile. We hadn't seen that one. So catching up with that one. Although it hasn't been out for very long. I think it was released in theaters in like September or something. What did you think of Smile, Nicole? I don't have anything bad to say about Smile. Uh Uh-huh. What did you say about the plot? I said 
Now, this is kind of a spoiler, though, and it's I, it is a little. Well, if you don't, you don't have to like tell what happens. You can just kind of say that it, it reminds does have me somewhat of, reminiscent of of it follows. It is, yeah. yeah. There, it, it, yeah, kind of a similar structure to it. Yeah, so, absolutely. yes, um, I think that most viewers will make that connection too when they watch yeah. it because after you said that out loud, I was like, yeah, I was just thinking that too. So, yeah, yeah we both came to that realization as we were watching it. And like I said, most people will, I think, if you've seen yeah. It Follows. Uh, also, Nicole, I went to see Megan at the theater, the robotic uh, <laughs> Megan right. creepy yes. doll. And man, I had a pretty good time with that one too. Uh, Smile, I liked. I didn't like it as much as Megan. I had more yeah. fun with Megan. So if you want one over the other, my personal ranking, Megan is higher than Smile. Okay. But Smile, I think, just kind of like... It ran on a little bit too long. It was a little bit too long. They could have like shaved 20 minutes off or so. Uh, Megan, it doesn't really do anything really new or outrageous with the killer doll kind of concept. Yeah. Like there's not really anything that you haven't seen before as far as that goes. But it does it in such a way where it's just... It's a lot of creepy fun, Nicole. Okay. So I'm going to make you watch it uh, when okay. it hits uh, some streaming, Nicole. Yeah, you yes. got it. You got it. You know what else we watched, Nicole? We started watching this series on Netflix that just debuted the other day. Junji Ito, and I could be pronouncing his name incorrectly. Yeah. That's how I've always said it. Uh, Maniac is what the show is called. And it's based on some of his... Uh, manga, his yeah. uh, like graphic novel work, his graphic art comic work manga, and it's animated. It's animated. It it's like anime, yeah. an anime show. The first we watched two episodes. The first one I wasn't that crazy about. It was really like some of the characters were just really over the top, and it was too overstimulating for me on that day. Yeah. Uh, so I was kind of just irritated with it. <laughs> But then the second episode, uh, I really enjoyed. There were yeah. two episodes or two stories, I should say, in that second in that episode. Second, yeah. uh, one involving a tunnel that was pretty, pretty creepy. Nicole. Pretty creepy. And then that second one the ice with the cream. ice cream yeah. bus, and that it was... had that cute little song, Nicole. Yeah. And I can't remember how it goes. I like, do. Like uh, <laughs> ice cream, ice cream, ice cream bus. Uh, but yeah, Nicole, the the ice cream bus was uh, kind of amusing. Yeah, I, yeah. I laughed. A, I laughed quite a bit. So I feel like maybe we'll watch another episode of I, that at some point. Do you think? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll we'll try it. Happy Giallo January, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> but then we'll also say that our next episode, Nicole, we've got another episode oh, coming right. up. Yeah. And for that one, we're going to return to the winter of folk horror i thought nicole would enjoy that because i think she enjoyed the yeah folk horror so we're gonna do a one-off episode return to the winter of folk horror that's right in our next episode so and we have some three different out. movies that's picked right. out so we'll have to uh give those a watch nicole yeah hey nicole do you want to tell the listeners where they can find us on social media uh facebook facebook that's on the page a Cure for the Common Craig. Instagram. That's on the page, or the account, Cure for the Common Craig. And our website. That is CureForTheCommonCraig.com or CommonCraig.com. <laughs> hey, Nicole. 
Now that we've told the listeners where they can find us on social media, is there anything else you'd like to say to the listeners? Thanks for listening. Good night, listeners. <laughs> <laughs>